Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Monday, March 14th, and the Hokies are ACC champions in 2022. Episode 229 of the Tech Sideline Podcast will be an all-hoops edition of the podcast as we look back at the crazy week for the men's team in Brooklyn, and we'll also look ahead at March Madness games for the men's and women's team coming up on Friday. All of that and much more coming up on episode 229 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. Welcome into the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are taking it in, whether that's archived on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or archived on our YouTube channel. Be sure, if you are on our YouTube channel, like, comment, subscribe, turn notifications on. That way, you know when the podcast goes live every week. And if you are in the live chat, be sure to drop a comment or question for Will and Chris. We'll get to those at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg and help build one of the best and fastest growing wrestling programs in the nation. Visit southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. Very special edition of the podcast. Not very often, actually, never has there been a podcast after an ACC men's basketball championship first one in program history we got Will Stewart founder and general manager of techsideline.com across the way Chris Coleman lead analyst and columnist of techsideline.com to my right Coming soon in the fourth chair, we will have the managing editor, David Cunningham. Uh, David, it's been a long week for David. He was at the women's tournament. He was at the men's tournament. Did not sleep Saturday night after the championship. Came all the way back to Blacksburg. And then immediately started working. First selection show last night for the women's team. So uh, we're going to give him a slide on the first half. He'll be here for the second half of the podcast. Malcolm Stewart, best podcast producer in the land, back behind the scenes. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Going to be a lot of fun today, guys, uh, talking about what was a crazy week in Brooklyn. I was there as well. Uh, you you kind of feels it feels like a dream. It felt surreal that you were there to be there in that moment. And uh, if you were on the YouTube chat, uh, you, middle of the table, I, I got some confetti from the floor, so you can see that right in front of the basketball. Uh, that was on the Barclays Center floor after they won. Nice. Got to watch them cut down the nets. Uh, a really cool experience up there. And. So, so the other thing we have is the little basketball in the middle of the table is uh, um, Chris and I, as we talked about, had the good fortune to sit uh, in some of the premium seats for the Louisville game. So that's a little collector basketball that is initialed by the entire team. Wow. So suddenly the value of that thing went up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely cool to have some. Uh, we usually have the f- football helmets on there, but an all basketball show had to get some basketball memorabilia. Oh, we also have to mention that next to me is uh, Chris Coleman's. Uh, That's my game worn Zabian Daldell jersey from <laughs> 2003 2004 when he was a freshman. 
That, that's the first time Virginia Tech ever wore black basketball uniforms. Wow. So it's game worn, huh? It doesn't, have, doesn't have his name it on the It doesn't have his name so on I it. But that, just... that was worn in the Pitt game in 2003, 2004 Very when he nice. was a freshman. And I believe that was a non-televised game, so nobody had ever seen those jerseys before. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh, it's perfect. It's got the number one on it, and that's who the Hokies are right now. That's right. Hokies number one in the ACC this year. First ever ACC championship. We're going to go game by game through the tournament on this episode. We'll look at Clemson with Darius Maddox. His buzzer beater, the Hokies' hot shooting night against Notre Dame, and obviously the two big wins where the walk-ons got in at the end against the Blue Bloods, North Carolina, and Duke in the semis and the championship. But let's look big picture. Obviously, first one in program history. What does this mean long-term for this program to take the, home the title uh, in the media capital of the world in New York and beating teams <laughs> like they did on the way? I, I, think, uh, it's, I think we'll see an uptick in ticket sales next year. Yeah, um, I, I think you'll see more interest in the program. Not that you didn't see interest in it already. I mean, the students were already doing a great job yeah. filling up that place. But I think you'll see uh, regular fans become more invested now. And the, from, the timing of this is really good with the Castle Coliseum expansion coming along. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So like get that $40 million donation <laughs> in right now. You've got a little more leverage for that. Let's right. uh, let's capitalize on this thing, right? Uh, let's capitalize on it from a fan base standpoint, from a construction standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint. Every time Mike Young walks into a high school gym now, he he's, he's, he's can, he can wear an ACC champions t-shirt, t- you know? Virginia Tech is ACC champions. So that, I mean, that, that you should be able to get anybody to at least listen to what you have to say. Yeah. If you say you're the ACC champions, and so for, so what is the meme on Twitter? It's uh, it's like the wrestling guy is like McMahon strutting into the uh, Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was the the typical Vince McMahon. Yeah, right. when he made himself into a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It's Mike Young walking into every room for probably the next six <laughs> the months next year, until next season. Yeah. Uh, and for those who are listening and not watching, Chris already has his ACC champions T-shirt I on I, today. I, could, I couldn't wait. I had an opportunity to get one yesterday, so. Figured uh, it was appropriate attire for the podcast today. So here's the sales pitch. We are a Fanatics affiliate. Um, and I can tell you that So Fanatics has some great reporting tools. And I can tell you that the things blew up yesterday for our <laughs> Fanatics affiliation. <laughs> yeah. People ordered a lot of uh, ACC Champions gear. Um, I don't think we've got it threaded into the mobile site very well, but if you go to the site on uh, a laptop or tablet or, or desktop, you can see the Fanatics ads. So... Hit him and uh, grab yourself a T-shirt. Yeah, go get yourself some championship gear. Again, ha- hadn't happened. Tech hadn't played in an AC or a, a conference championship that, game uh, since 1984, so it doesn't it, happen very, very often. Very good. Yeah. I, w- I was afraid. So everybody remembers that Tech won the Metro Conference in 1979, but and it's interesting. Me and my college buddies had this discussion, and they did not remember that Tech played in the Metro Conference championship game in 1984. That was my <laughs> freshman year, and I remember sitting in the dorm. TV room dorms had TV rooms back then. Yeah, yeah, you know because kids didn't have TV. Yeah, when, when I was in school, rooms. they were uh, they were pool table rooms. The lobbies yeah. are yeah, yeah. So and I remember sitting there watching in. Uh, I believe it was Florida State that beat Tech that year. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> yes, uh, I only know that because I guess what I had David Cunningham and Bill Roth with me uh, in Brooklyn, and they were telling us all these stories. Uh, obviously, the last Banner game the Hokies played was in New York, uh, the NIT in 1995, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bill was talking a lot about that. Um, Want to talk about, you mentioned fan base. Want to talk about the fans meeting the bus back at Han Hurst oh, yesterday. Uh, it, it looked was, like a great crowd out there. Oh, it was a fantastic crowd, and it was out of control. 
It was a madhouse. <laughs> now, first, it was nice and calm. Like, everybody, I don't know if you know what the, the front of a Han Hearst looks like, but there's an area where you can drive up to. It's like a roundabout or whatever. And everybody was formed on each side of, of the road. There. In orderly fashion. In orderly fashion. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, there were no barriers, and there were only three cops. And the, the cops came through and said, okay, everybody stand back. And then they cleared a little path up to the front of uh, the Han Hearst Center for all the players to walk through. Then the bus pulled up and stopped on Washington Street, and the plan was for the players to, you know, to walk through the opening towards Han Hearst. I had a great spot for it. I was in the front row. I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have great shots of this, you know. But then the crowd went turned into a riot basically. i'm glad nobody got trampled honestly um like I, you like everybody ran past me and the players actually had to physically force their way through the crowd into han hurst it was uh nah. it was incredible there just wasn't enough police force there to organize everything and i wonder if they had it to do over again if they would have just opened up castle coliseum and honored both the women's team and the men's team or something yeah. like that i don't know but uh at any rate it was cool to see that kind of turnout and that kind of enthusiasm because it was cold, man. It was. It was cold and windy, and it wasn't – So some people got out there at like 5.30 to wow. make sure they wow. had a spot. Well, and their flight was delayed too a right. little bit. So, so they didn't get there until 7.30. Wow. So they flew into Roanoke. They, they, yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't fly into Blacksburg because yeah. generally they thought they can fly in and out of Blacksburg. Now, maybe, maybe they just uh, – maybe they took a bigger contingent of people since yeah. it was the ACC tournament and they, they yeah. needed a longer runway. I, I don't know. And you mentioned it was cold. I want to shout out uh, Nick Brown. He tweeted out – uh, and Nick Brown, usually in our fourth chair uh, at times, he tweeted out, I want to say Saturday morning, it's going to be a polar vortex tonight or something, 20 oh. degrees Fahrenheit tonight. And then later on, he tweeted out a scene of downtown Blacksburg after Tech had won the <coughs> championship. And he said, there are plenty of guys without shirts on who did not heed my advice. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it was great. Okay. So, so Friday night, I went out to watch the game. It was extremely warm Friday. I went out with a short sleeve shirt and no jacket. And even when I got home late that night, it was still warm. Bad, yeah. And then I woke up on Saturday morning and looked out the window and was like, what is that white stuff? <laughs> uh, it's incredible. So you didn't know time. that was coming? No, I don't pay attention. Uh, my wife tells me about the weather every day, yeah. man, so I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, didn't there, Supposedly the cops finally had to block off at least an intersection. Oh, okay. okay some shirtless dude crowd surfed across Main Street. I, I, yeah, uh, I saw that on one of my friends' Snapchat. I didn't see it myself. No, I was walking to Hokie House around probably midnight to meet friends, and I saw all the cop cars there. And there were like six of them right at the right at the uh, section of College Avenue and Main Street. And I saw the videos from earlier, and basically the, the mass of humanity there had stopped traffic. And this one shirtless guy crowd surfed from one side of Main Street to in front of Sharky's. Uh, there was a couch in the middle of Main Street. Where'd that come from? I, have no, there, I don't know. You get the I don't, there, there. There, there's no residential areas right there. I think there's right some there in front of Street. Maybe. So, so you were talking about the 1995 NIT, and I remember, um, of course, that was a, a night game, and I remember watching it in Champs with my buddy Glenn Bywater, and as soon as the game ended, um, I I left to go home. I was living in Christiansburg, and. As I was driving away from Champs, I kind of looked around and thought, oh, people are spilling out into the street. So that 1995 NIT championship had the same effect. People just poured out into the street in downtown and, and partied. The wow. crazy thing is this was during spring break. If, yeah. uh, you know, Not all the students were back yet. It, it would have been really a madhouse if all the students had, had been in town. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of after Virginia Tech beat Ohio State in football. Yeah. It's, it's, it was similar to that. 
to a certain extent. Now, I will say, you know, I watched the, this game at Champs, and I put a bunch of videos up on my uh, on my Twitter account of, of the crowd at Champs, and uh, it just, even the videos don't do it justice. It was the best bar crowd I've ever been a part of for a Virginia Tech sporting event. There were people sitting on the floor to have room <laughs> to watch the game. After the game, there were people standing on tables and chairs and the bar and everything like that. As the whole bar sang in her Sandman. It was, it was an amazing experience. Like, after Tech beat UNC, I'm sitting there toying with, I'm thinking about going to New York City and I'll just crash on David Cunningham's floor. And I didn't do it. And I've sat there all day on Saturday like I really wish I'd done it. And yes, part of me wishes, I still wishes I'd gone up there to witness it in person. Uh, but if I'd gone up there to witness it in person and then heard about everything that happened in Blacksburg, I'd have, I would have also regretted not being able to celebrate it in Blacksburg in that atmosphere. It's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, so you wish you there could There are be, no losers yeah, here. I mean, no. if, 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 that's your, if, that's, if that's my worst problem out of the weekend, <laughs> you know, then I guess we're doing okay. Yeah. And I got to say, the crowd in New York, uh, being there for the first two Duke games, Syracuse and Miami, it was all Duke fans. Mm -hmm. It was loud. They were playing every time we touch and the whole crowd's dancing, which I, it's their thing. It's a weird tradition, by the way, right. uh, I have to say. Uh, but the second time, they played it twice during the championship game. The second time, the band played it, and there were not many Duke fans on their feet. I want to say it was a 10-point game at that point. <laughs> they, they were not as excited the second time. Enter Sandman came on late in the game, yeah. uh, and it was mostly Tech fans at that point. So, so I, mean, I imagine a lot of the neutrals there were pulling for Tech. Yes, uh, especially – well, it, it was funny because the night before, all the Duke fans were rooting for Tech too right, uh, because right. Tech was playing That's UNC. True. That's true. So, so, so let's talk about that a little bit because you were there. Watching it on television – there, there just didn't seem to be much crowd noise at all. So go over, how big is the Barclays Center? How many people were there? You just mentioned that Duke people were rooting for Tech against UNC. Did the UNC people come in for the championship game and root for Tech against Duke? So go over all that. Well, so it was, I would have to say, if I look at all of the crowd members that I saw throughout the week, at least 60% of them were Duke fans mm -hmm. and probably 30% of them were Syracuse fans just because it's in New York right. uh, and Syracuse fans travel decently well. But on Saturday night, I think a lot of Tech fans did make the trip up because there were twice as many Tech fans for the championship game as there were for the semifinal for the game. Semi, right. um, Barclays Center, I want to say, holds a little over 20,000 people. That sounds about right. Uh, and it was at tip-off, I want to say, at least 95% full. Um mm -hmm. There, really? there, on Tuesday, you look all the way back at the beginning of the tournament, there were probably about 1,000 people in there. Yeah. Uh, it was packed pretty much to the gills uh, for the championship game on Saturday. I, I, then I have to say that ESPN did an extraordinarily poor job miking the crowd. You know, it's, it's, it's partially – I thought it was weird because it's honestly kind of like watching a game in Castle or even like an old Madison Square Garden. Like, yeah, MSG's they, they, like they, that. They, they, they black out the crowd. You can't tell how big the crowd is and everything like yeah. that because it's kind of blacked yeah. out and so far away from everything. And, and I, thinking back, I want to say the crowd on Saturday wasn't as good as Friday. I think the semifinal game crowds were better. Uh, Duke-Miami was loud. When Duke went on that run at the very end mm -hmm. to pull away, it was loud in there. I, it never got that loud on and Saturday Duke night. fans didn't have much to cheer about on Saturday <laughs> it's night. True. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so so one thing I have not had a chance to do is, is to because I worked 11 hours yesterday just doing stuff, I have not had a chance to sit down and watch the championship game through the filter of knowing that mm -hmm. Tech was going to win. Yeah, yeah I, I have. Obviously, I watched the game at Champs, so I couldn't really hear any volume. 
So I've, I haven't watched the broadcast with volume or anything like that. Now, one good thing you can do is uh, you can go to Hokie Sports and go to their video page, and they've got game highlights. They've got all the interviews, like the 10-minute interview with Storm Murphy and Mike Young right. for, from the ACC Network after the game, the interview with Hunter Couture, the post-game press conference. They've got so much stuff on there on that Hokie Sports video page that where you can kind of relive the moment, which I recommend everybody to do, look, watch all of that stuff. So so when I re-watch it, what I'm going to look for is, uh, you know, there there was a replay where I was later on. I don't know. It was kind of on. We weren't really watching it, but it, it struck me how stunned the Duke players looked from a certain point. Now, I'm not talking about the last two and a half minutes when, when Mutz dunked on Bancaro and you knew it was over. Uh, when I rewatch it, I'm going to be looking for the moment where I'm like, you know, Duke looks like they know they can't win. I thought, honestly, like early in the second half, all right, Duke came out and turned the ball over, and then Tech went down the court and scored. scored and Coach K called a timeout, and it's you don't you don't see that. 25 seconds into, into the half. half, you don't see that. And when they came back from commercial, they showed him using one of assistant one of one of his assistant coaches to like physically demonstrate how to move for positioning and how to defend and things like that. If you still got to be teaching those fundamentals in March by calling a timeout during the middle of the ACC tournament, then you've got some issues. And I, I think Duke Duke has not played good basketball over their last four or five games. Um, I, I mean, they got smoked by Carolina. Uh, Syracuse without Bayheim had, no, had no business playing them that close. Right. Miami almost beat them, and and obviously then the Tech handled them. Um, so I, I, I want to say I saw something where two of their four least efficient games this year has have come in the last week. Wow. Yeah, and and that's kind of what they look like, and and so. You know, watch, watching the tournament, the series on, on the ACC network, and, and I've always, don't get me wrong, I don't like Duke. I don't like Mike Krzyzewski, but I really respect what he did. He had this, and I've said this before, he, had, he, he did three things. Number one, he, he inherited a good program, don't get me wrong, but he built them up to a championship-level team. Then he maintained it when the whole world was against him. He knew that once they got to that top level, Every game was going to be the opponent's biggest yep. game, and yet he still managed excellence through that. Mm-hmm. And then he managed the transition to the one-and-done era pretty well, but and, and of course he's out of time now, but I wonder if he had another 10 or 15 years on his career if he would pivot back a little bit to recruiting the next level of players, guys he could actually keep for three and, and four years. He's an excellent coach. And his recent vintage teams, for example, they just don't play defense like they used yeah. to. Well, I mean, when you have to, like, if you get some continuity on his teams and he wouldn't have to call timeout 25 seconds into a half <laughs> yeah. in, in, in an ACC championship game to teach his team how to play defense because he would have already been teaching them for two or three years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't think the one-and-done stuff has been to Duke's benefit, quite frankly. And you see teams like Villanova and Virginia winning national championships. Texas but- Tech played against Virginia for the right, national right. championship. Right, and Butler yeah. played for two straight national championships. Yeah. And Gonzaga played for a national championship. And I just – that's why, to me, college basketball is the superior product over college football right now because there is parity. And the transfer portal, I think, has actually created even more parity. Yeah. I don't think there's that many like great – truly elite teams but there's a lot of good teams so how would you like to be mike young right now having just won the acc championship 
and we'll see what happens happens with Mutz and Aluma. Let's say neither one of them comes back. How would you like to be Mike Young shopping in the transfer portal right now for a <laughs> sure. post player? Again, you're Vince McMahon walking into the arena. <laughs> you're like, you, young man, can come in and be the difference in this team. We need post players. Mm-hmm. Let's come and let's win another championship. It definitely helps trying to bring in people who want to win right now out of the transfer portal yeah. uh, and sh- should be – uh, helpful in getting some high school kids into the fold as well. So, well, so let me, but before we move on, you asked kind of early on, you know, what does this mean? I'm still, honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. <laughs> so people were like, you got to write a column. You got to write a column. I wrote a column last night and it, and it ran late last night today. But, but I just, I wasn't ready yet because I still haven't grasped what I just saw. But I'm, I'm getting little hints of it that when I go to the ACC tournament page on Wikipedia now, the list of championships by school, there's not a zero next to Virginia Tech anymore. There's still a zero next to Clemson, and they've been in the league for 70 years. There's a zero next to Clemson, Louisville, Pitt, Syracuse, Mm -hmm. probably one other team I can't think. There might be one more. Well, Notre Dame's won one. There might be one more, but all I know is there's not a zero next to Tech's name anymore. And it's just the 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 true uh glory of it if you want to use the word will will come out it'll in in bits and pieces over weeks and months it'll really settle in and you'll be like man they actually well, went and did that think about it virginia historically has been a really good basketball program yeah. they've only won three acc tournaments and two of them and, were were recent right and and so and they have been in the acc for 50 years longer than virginia Tech. yeah so it's 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 a very difficult tournament to win unless you're duke or carolina i guess um, I think it won't be the last ACC tournament that Virginia Tech wins, in my opinion, but it's such a unique feeling. You'll never have this feeling again as a fan um, because it's like when Virginia Tech won their first ACC title in their first year in the league. To me, that was the best ACC championship. Yeah, in, no, in football. None of the others measured up to it because it was the first. And not only was it the first – it was achieved under adverse circumstances, like starting two and two, um, losing at home to NC State, and you're not ranked in the top 25, and you weren't picked to be very good that year anyway. So, but then out of nowhere comes an ACC championship yeah. in our first year, and then this year you start off 10 and 10, and two and seven, in two the and nine. seven in the league, dead last, and then you win 13 out of your last 15, and you win the ACC. And you beat the top three seeds in the tournament, including North Carolina and, and Duke. Duke, right? And it's the first ACC championship. And I, I'm not saying any future ACC championships won't feel great. Maybe they will measure up to it in certain ways. But this is so unique; you'll never have this exact feeling again as a fan ever. And they didn't back into it. They did not back into it. Uh, that was the, the the impressive thing is. They kept getting better the whole tournament as the competition level increased. Yes. Now, they played very good basketball for about 33 minutes against Clemson and then almost blew it, but they they didn't, thanks to Darius Maddox. And then they did pretty much put a complete game together against Notre Dame, an NCAA tournament team, put a complete game together against North Carolina, an NCAA tournament team, put a complete game together against Duke, an NCAA tournament team. As the level of competition got better each time, Tech played better. And that's crazy considering they had to win four four games in, in four days. I mean, Tech smoked Carolina. Carolina didn't even have to break a sweat the previous night against UVA. 
Yeah. They crushed them. They were up 33-13 at the half. At the halftime. That, yeah. that UVA how, offensive performance may have been one of the worst I have ever witnessed. Carolina so. shot like 38% in the first half against UVA, and they were still up by however yeah. many. UVA, uh, 13 points in the first half. The lowest in the shot clock era in ACC tournament uh, history. You know, if, if, if Tony Bennett's an outstanding basketball coach. Their talent level, though, if he wasn't coaching them, they only they would have only won 12 or 13 games this year. Yeah. They, they, they've just dropped off a map from a talent standpoint. And so the the four the four games in four days thing. First of all, if if, if you haven't heard the stat, it's not the first time it's been done. Somebody else did it. Duke, I, Duke. Did, did, but here's what here's what I'm wondering. I haven't looked this up. Did Duke play any overtime games in, in that 2017? They made the run in 2017. Really? If, 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 yeah. If they didn't uh, if they didn't play any overtime games this year, that means Virginia Tech played the most minutes yes. in an ACC tournament game and to go on to win the ACC tournament. And so, so watching as I was working yesterday, I had a few. Uh, I, I had Texas A and M on against uh, who they play Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I think A and M had to play four games, and the announcers were talking about how A and M looked tired. Virginia Tech never looked tired. It's yeah. remarkable. Well, and it was the exact same scenario as well. They played overtime in the first game, won two in a row after that, and then had to play the fourth in four days, and uh, they ran out of gas. Co- Coach K actually talked about that after the game. He said, uh, you know, I, basically he said, I know theor- theoretically we had an extra day of rest, but he basically said we were the more tired team because, or we, we let it affect us because older players, which Virginia Tech has, tend to manage fatigue better. That they don't let it affect them mentally as much as freshmen. I'm telling you. Right? I, I so wonder, he, he ought to know at this point after coaching so many freshmen throughout the years. Right? I wonder if he wishes he had another 10 or 15 years to try something different. I, I don't true. know. I don't know. I, I think – I wonder if part of it is like he's using Duke to audition for his own Olympic team. I, I don't, I'm, I, it's just a thought. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, something we'll never know because uh, that was Coach K's final ACC game. Now he gets one last chance in the NCAA tournament as a two-seed. We'll, we'll see what happens from there. You guys mentioned the four games in four days. Let's go through them. Let's start with Clemson. The biggest what-if of the tournament. If Darius Maddox doesn't hit that shot, <laughs> Virginia Tech, not an NCAA tournament team, not an ACC champion, but guess what? He did. The, uh, then we're forced into pre- pretending like we care about the NIT. Yes, <laughs> that, 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 that's what we'd be talking about right now, and I wouldn't want to talk about it, but I guess I'd have to pretend. You would have to. Yeah, so thank God he hit that shot um, because we wouldn't be having – what a magical moment, though, of course. Yes. March, the March Maddox. March term. Maddox. So many <laughs> magical things came out of this because theoretically, like, Hunter, Hunter Couture got the tournament MVP. Could have just as easily been Kev Aluma. Could have just as easily been Darius Maddox. Could have just as easily been Storm, Storm Murphy, Murphy, who had a brilliant tournament. Um, and that, that that that's the Virginia Tech team we expected this year. Is a whole we have there's so many good players on this team. It could theoretically be anybody, any night, yep. well, except for probably Gasson, who's probably not a double digit threat. But even in that one game, was it Clemson or Notre Dame where he scored seven quick points in the first half and yes. was a big factor in in the win. So everybody Tech took to New York contributed. Everybody, everybody they put on the court contributed, and obviously. Darius Maddox has a nickname now that no one will ever forget, and I believe he needs to capitalize that when it comes to NIL opportunities. NIL. And um, so, just looking at that game, um, I'll we'll all remember the shot, but I will also remember. And I, I put this in today's column. I had the tweet lined up. It said, "With 6.7 seconds left to go, Virginia Tech getting ready to throw the ball inbounds." My tweet said, uh, final, Clemson 75. Is that 70, what they, it would have been 75-73. Clemson 75, Virginia Tech 73. Uh, Hokies led 59-48, I think it was, with seven minutes left to go and got outscored 27-14 down the stretch. 
no NCAA tournament for Virginia Tech. And I was sitting there waiting. I got a touchscreen laptop. I was sitting there waiting for the final play, and then I was going to click tweet. And I had to erase it. Um, <laughs> and it was just me alone in my basement just I, watching this game and tweeting. I can't believe they let Darius Maddox bring the ball up the court and not, not get it in his face ever at all. They the being Clemson. That yeah, was – yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he looks so casual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he made that behind-the-back dribble and just – I'm lining give him a you lot up of here at Combs. Yeah, I mean, there's – I mean, that guy can make a shot with with not much – with very little space. That They gave him too much space, yeah. and they just allowed Virginia Tech to bring the ball up the court too easily, in it, my opinion. Because Tech didn't have time to set up for like – or Tech doesn't have any really great drivers on this team outside for probably Padua. And they didn't have time to draw up a set play for a two pointer. That had to be a three. And Clemson just backed off. And, and oh, by the and, way, and Mike Young it, put in all his guards, right? All his three right, point right. shooters, right? So, yes. Right. So you you knew what was probably coming. I mean, Maddox had the option to drive or take a three pointer. Considering his own skill set, he made absolutely the correct decision. I'm so glad he took a three pointer there instead of driving because. I, th- I think Tech is more likely to make a three-pointer in that situation than they are taking somebody off a dribble drive. He, uh, he doesn't have a classically beautiful jump shot, but one thing he does is he, he elevates quickly yeah. and gets the ball off quickly. And if you go back and watch that shot, there's nothing the Clemson guy can do. He's too far off of him. Mm-hmm. And Maddox has that ability, and you, and you see this in his mid-range game, when he's on the wing and he takes those one or two dribbles and elevates on the baseline about 10 or 12 feet out. That shot is wide open. People really struggle to guard that. And what the Clemson defender got in that moment was a little mini version of that where he probably thought his defense was okay. It really wasn't. That was a wide Against open a line. normal human being, that's fine. Yeah. Like against a guy who's more likely to score on you off a drive, that's, he did the right thing. That's not the case with Darius Maddox yeah. at all. Yeah. And so much had to go right down the stretch for Tech to win it. We talk about they had an 11-point lead with under eight minutes to play, but really Clemson controlled that thing at the very end. And the shot that everybody forgets is Storm Murphy's three towards the end of regulation to give the Hokies a two-point lead. I want to say 66-64 after he hit that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. And then 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 P.J. Hall Hall goes down. That that was a nice shot by Hall. Hall Hall is extremely impressive. Like, if they gave a tough guy award of the ACC tournament, it's Hall. That guy could barely walk for part of that game. He clearly re-injured his foot in that game, and he stayed in it. And seemed to have a shoulder injury, pick up a shoulder injury during the course (laughs) of the game, too. So that guy was out there. You could tell he was hurting, and he stayed in it and played a really good game. You could see why Mike Young recruited him so hard. So, Jake, you were you were there in the arena, yes. so you didn't you didn't get this, but clearly the ESPN announcers had been briefed heavily on PJ Hall. It was the PJ Hall show. <laughs> it was like a big long two hour infomercial on PJ Hall, and people were just joking about it on Twitter. Like, well, you know, there's two teams in this game, right? <laughs> and even Clemson has other players other than PJ Hall. Didn't seem like it towards the end there. It was all P.J. Hall uh, for about the final three minutes in overtime. Yeah. Uh, and and then in overtime, you go to overtime, Storm Murphy hit his fifth three of the game. He had had four. He went four he for four in the first eight. half. Yeah, he was five of eight overall. Yeah. Uh, he was phenomenal in that game. Really kind of the guy everyone expected him to be coming over, the over whole from Wofford. Yeah. Uh, and that's why he was named to the second team all-tournament team. But in overtime, I think – where I may have given up was when Justin Mutz missed the front end or the the first free throw, uh, and then Mike Young called timeout. I was actually broadcasting that game for thirty three or four sports, and I said, "I think he's drawing up a play for him to miss it and try and get the ball back and score two. 
and he didn't. Uh, made it a one-point game, and thankfully Clemson missed a free throw on the other end. Yeah, I mean, people aren't so, people are talking about you know Tech's free throw shooting, Hunter Couture missing three, which is not going to happen, right? Yeah. But then PJ Hall, who's an eighty percent free throw shooter, missed that one late, and that gave that meant Darius Maddox's three pointer. Gave Virginia Tech the win instead of the time. Well, and Clemson would have fouled uh, instead right, of right. letting of him course, take that shot. You would think, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that <coughs> everything, like you said, had to go just right. Everything had to go just right. And again, the biggest what if in history: if Darius Maddox doesn't hit that shot, Virginia Tech probably an NIT team. Instead, they got to play against Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm writing spring practice articles this week instead of basketball <laughs> articles. <laughs> well, Darius like Maddox doesn't days. make that shot. Yeah. Um, so. Let's let's back up a little bit. Looking at the bracket before the tournament started, um, you knew that Clemson, you know, either one of those teams, Clemson or NC State, could beat Tech. NC yes. State's got the athleticism to do it. They're very poorly coached, but they have the athleticism to do it. And Clemson had out-toughed Tech in the previous yep. game. So, okay, let's see who wins that one and try to get by that one. Now, the next game, you're, you're getting ready to talk about Notre Dame. Let's talk Notre Dame. I like that matchup. You and know. I think everybody did. I think that's why everyone wanted Tech to be the seventh seed was to set up that second-round matchup with Notre Dame. You sat on this podcast last week and talked about that very thing, about how Virginia Tech was set up perfectly to make a run yeah. in the ACC tournament uh, with you know Clemson or NC State and then Notre Dame. being. I mean, Notre Dame, your number two seed in the ACC tournament, of course, but not as strong as a typical number two seed. Your typical number two seed in the ACC tournament is a national title contender. Yes. Yeah. Notre Dame's a play-in. It's a crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, and so the only thing that made me – so there's a couple things about, you know, everybody talks about Tech being 2-7, and seven, but Tech was 0-4. And, right, and yeah. they beat Notre Dame, and, and that, that was a huge win that not a lot of people are talking about. But the other thing that happened in that game that gave me pause about the ACC tournament was that uh, – I think his first name is Paul Atkinson Jr. Yes. He got in foul trouble and wasn't a factor in that first game. Um, he didn't get in foul trouble in the ACC tournament, and he wasn't a factor, you know. So I thought – I mean, we'll get into the details of the game, but to me, um, Notre, I thought Notre Dame played a good game. They yes. shot well. Cormac Ryan was really clutch. Yeah. But every time they tried to make a run, Tech answered. Yeah, I think when you look at the efficiency ratings of each team, both teams are have excellent offensive efficiency ratings. Mike Bray's always been an excellent offensive yeah. coach. Mike Young's always been an excellent offensive coach. Uh, I, you know, I think I, I read our boards after the game, and some people were talking about Tech's lack of defense. I think it was more of just two elite offenses going at each other. <laughs> two two teams, two two teams that really know how to execute on the offensive end, and that's what made it for, made it for a very entertaining basketball game. If it had gone, you know, if it was an NBA game and it had been forty eight minutes instead of forty, you know, you would have seen an NBA scoreline. You would have seen a hundred and four to ninety-eight final score yes. or something like that. Yeah. They, um, so I've told this story before. Uh, uh, shortly after Mike Bray started at Notre Dame, it was back when Tech was in the Big East, and I think Ricky Stokes was coaching Tech. Notre Dame came into Castle, and I remember a play where I mean they they blew Tech out, I'm sure. And I remember a play where Notre Dame got a defensive rebound and got a layup at the other end, and the ball never touched the floor. Yeah. And I thought to myself, Wow, that's a really well coached team. And you know, I didn't know anything about Mike Bray. I mean, I, I, I can't well, remember where he had come from. Delaware. Because uh, remember the rumor is Tech went after him when we hired Ricky Stokes. I think. I, I think I think the story that eventually got told was that Jim Weaver had a conversation, had a conversation. with Mike Bray. Right. And as soon as Mike Bray found out what Jim Weaver was in air quotes offering. Which was like 250 grand a year. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and that was the end of that conversation. But apparently he continued to talk to Weaver and, and gave him some advice. And Tech wound up hiring Ricky Stokes. I don't know what advice <laughs> Mike Bray gave him. But anyway, I remember that play. And I remember just thinking, wow, I think that guy's a pretty good coach if his team plays like that. And he was the guy who I thought 10 years ago would secede Coach K. But then Coach K kept coaching longer and longer, longer than than I thought he would coach. Yeah. And forty two years, right? So so Mike Bray's window closed because he was he's a former Coach K assistant. So and I thought he That's would right. have been I thought he would have been the natural successor, but yeah. Coach K just waited too long to retire. And just like against Clemson, that was an eleven point game at halftime. The teams combined for ninety four second half Oof. points. Notre Dame shot sixty percent in the second half mm-hmm. and. The Could only way Tech won that game, it was they a, shot 67%. It was an extremely entertaining game. Like, if you were a neutral observer, you probably really enjoyed watching that game. Yeah. Um, so, what, Tech had four – am I remembering the right game? Tech had 42 points in the first half and 40 in 45 the second half. in the second half. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, 87, right. Um, that's and, – and one thing I meant to do was look up and see, you know, Tech had 87 points. When was the last time they scored that many points? This this season, because it's funny they they went through a stretch there when Tech was winning all those games they started out scoring they, something they like eighty seven in Tallahassee they right? score eighty five to seventy two in Tallahassee right so they score eighty five in Tallahassee to start the winning streak and during that winning streak Tech scoring gradually declined mm-hmm. but the defense gradually got oh, better yeah. and better Incredible. and better yeah. And and now finally they got both elements click well both elements Te- clicking in the ACC Tech Tech is now up to eighteenth. And offensive adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken Pomeroy's website, really? and now they're top sixty on uh, in defensive efficiency. And I want to at one point during this stretch, I, I looked up their stats and I wrote an article about it. And Tech was a hundred and tenth in defensive efficiency. Yeah. I don't know what their lowest spot was of the year, but that's the lowest I remember it being. And within several weeks, they'd gotten up to like sixty first. And I we, mean, we we had big time concerns after right. Ch- Chester Frazier left at the end of last right, year. Right, right. To a certain extent, um, so I, I think you know, Tech's in season defensive improvement is the main reason why they went on they went on the run. And I, maybe that that didn't show against Notre Dame mm-hmm. in the second half, yeah. but it absolutely showed against North Carolina and Duke. And Duke, yeah. And that was just the third time at that point that the Hokies had scored eighty or more against an ACC team. 85, you're right, against FSU. 81 against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the only two times. So, again, uh, and I was just re- reading through the schedule. It, you're right, it gradually declined. The scoring kept going down. Syracuse was lower than Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Virginia lower than that. But, again, the defense, very, very good. And, and that showed against North Carolina. I think we should take a break before we dive into the Blue Bloods. We'll talk about Carolina and Duke and look ahead at March Madness. Virginia Tech's matchup on Friday against Texas and the women's team Friday against Florida Gulf Coast up in College Park. We'll get to all that in the second half of episode 229 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Stay with us. We'll take a break and be right back. Welcome back to episode 229 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Right now, recapping Virginia Tech's magical run to their first ever ACC championship in men's basketball. We've got Will, we got Chris, and I'm Jake on set. Still nobody in the fourth chair right now. We'll see maybe David Cunningham comes later. I know Mike Young spoke to uh, the media earlier, and he was live tweeting that. Uh, We've already talked about the first two games of the tournament, but now... The, the two ones that everybody's really going to remember from the tournament, knocking off the two Blue Bloods in back-to-back nights. Let's start with North Carolina, the three seed coming in. And this game, we talked about how the offense led the way against Notre Dame. 
This was the defense. Carolina, 3 of 25 from beyond the arc. Almost exactly what the Hokies did <laughs> when uh, Carolina came to Blacksburg. Yeah, you know, and you, I had just watched Carolina play offense against Duke six nights earlier. Yes. And Duke could not stop them. Duke could not stop the ball. Carolina was making outside shots, too. And you're like, uh, uh-oh, this is a Carolina team that seems to be peaking. What they had done to Virginia the, the the day before, but man, that was an impressive performance. And you know, Bacot is such an awesome player. Nineteen points, fifteen rebounds. But like offensively, and I know he was what nine of ten from the field. Yes. Uh, most of those points, though, most of those made shots came off like offensive rebounds and junk baskets. Very. It wasn't very often where Carolina was actually able to get the ball into him po- into the post in one of their offensive sets and then run their offense through him. It, it was really fascinating to watch Tech's defense on Baycott. There were a number of instances where he caught the ball <clears throat> on the baseline or maybe a fair distance away from the basket, and the double came from the baseline, and he just he was just stuck and didn't really know what to do with the ball. I, I, I don't watch Carolina basketball closely, but in the context of that game, he did not pass out of the double team very well at all. Uh, and, and Tech's defense on him was brilliant. And he talked about it after the game. I don't remember what he said, but he talked in detail about how Tech defended him and how hard it was for him. You know, historically, uh, North Carolina has always been better in the paint than outside the three-point yeah. line, as the way I viewed it. I remember when Tech beat them in the Dean Dome back in 2007. And, and Virginia Tech, for part of that game, switched to his own, and UNC couldn't make any shots. Uh, and and the, the, that's basically the reason why, why, why Tech won is when UNC started missing some outside jumpers and things like that. Yeah, Caleb Love is a guy I fear because he, he makes yeah. contested he, he, he does. But other than him, like, uh, you know, Leaky Black is a guy, technically speaking, is like a 40% three-point shooter. <laughs> but – like the reason he's a forty percent three point shooter is because nobody guards him because he can't score. Yeah. But yet he's one of their five starters and plays yeah. a lot. So they just they don't have five offensive threats on the court at the same time like Virginia Tech does. Yeah. And Caleb Love, he had one of his worst games of the season. He I want to say he went three of sixteen from sounds, the floor. Sounds about right. And uh, I think I think that you said three of twenty five. I think the team actually went three of twenty six. Three of twenty six. So yeah. they might have missed one at the end there that I wasn't thinking about. Yeah. Um, and if you take away, we mentioned Baycott went nine of ten from the floor. If you take that out, I think North Carolina as a team shot less than twenty five percent from the yeah. floor mm-hmm. uh, for the game. So just great defensive performance from the Hokies, and kind of gets a monkey off their back. North Carolina ended their ACC tournament hopes each of the last two seasons. Finally, got past them into the championship game. For oh, the first not to time mention ever. the Tyler Hansbrough shot. <laughs> I mean, there, there was there was a. There were a number of monkeys on Virginia well, Tech's yeah. back that were UNC related. There was no drama in this one, though. No, no, no drama at all. I, and I think if you had uh, if you had told Tech fans that uh, Ben Varga and Camden Johnson I, and Lynn Kidd would check in against North Carolina, I, they would have said it would have gone the other way. I probably. forgot to. I meant to write that in my article yesterday. I was like, my God, in the semifinals and the finals against North Carolina and Duke, the Hokies were beating both teams so badly that we were putting our walk-ons. Play walk-ons, yeah. Who would have ever thought it? And, and so, you know, again, going back to looking at the bracket at the beginning of the tournament, uh, NC State and Clemson, get past that one. I like the matchup with Notre Dame. And I, and I think the thinking before the tournament was, I hope UVA beats Carolina, you know, because I like the matchup between Tech and UVA better than Tech and Carolina. You, you like the matchup better, but you wanted to – 
another chance at a no top excuses. 50 win. No excuses. You wanted man. another. You didn't know Tech was going to win the ACC tournament, so you wanted another chance at a top 50 win. Do you, do you remember where Carolina was in the net? Oh, like 33rd. Okay. So, so, yeah, they were absolutely. So easily a Q1. Easily. Yeah. Um, so that's that's from a Q1 win perspective, that's, that's the matchup you wanted. Yeah. From a probability win standpoint, probably UVA. But in hindsight, that's not true. I mean, Virginia Tech played Carolina very well in both both meetings. Uh, Carolina's a tough well. Carolina's mm-hmm. a tough team to beat at home, so so they won that matchup. Tech completely outplayed Carolina in the second meeting. They just missed their shots. Now, now here's the the thing that <clears throat> that is kind of hidden and forgotten about the the ACC tournament game against Carolina. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tech missed 11 shots in a row at yeah, one point. Yes. Usually that's the kiss of and death. And Carolina didn't come back and take the lead during that stretch. No, Tech was leading 10-7 to 7 when they started that. And when Aluma finally hit one, at that point it was, I think, tied at 14, and that put Tech up 16-14. Right. There, there was about a 10-minute stretch of that game where neither team could score whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and then Tech got it going, UNC not so much. What, what if Caleb Love hits two or three three-pointers while Virginia Tech's missing mm-hmm. 11 in a row? Mm-hmm. You know, but, And yeah. that's the kind of thing that's happened to Tech, but it didn't happen in that game. And Darius Maddox, another great game. I think Oof. that's when you kind of realized he's going to be on the all-tournament team. He had 20 points to lead all scorers, yeah. uh, continuing to show that he can be an elite scorer he's, at this level. And he's starting to do some other things besides make three-pointers. Um, obviously, he made three-pointers against UNC, but he also had a couple of cuts to the basket. Yeah, where they hit him on his cuts towards the basket and, and scored uh, with, you know, with lay-ins. And, and he got to the free-throw line a couple of times. And... Uh, We'll talk about Duke later, but against his Duke, his jump shot was not falling. So what did he do? Grabbed five rebounds, scrapped <laughs> on the offensive glass, and had some putbacks and, and things like that. So his he's, his game's getting a little more well-rounded. Um, he's going to be a really, really good player. Well, he's a good player now, but as his game continues to improve across the board, he's going to be really good. Yeah, offensively, he's really hard to guard because we talked about he gets he gets up so quickly on, the, on, on any shot he takes. But on the three, that's difficult to guard. He's... Got a nice mid-range game. You're right. If he starts, he'll he'll go to the basket better and better and better as he gets older. And the other thing that'll happen with him is his defense will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already gotten a lot better yes. this year, yes. but you can see it needs to improve. Um, he's he's got a chance to just I don't want to use the word elite, but he can be a really good player. Sure. And we're gonna give a lot of props to some guys, but Kevin Aluma. It seems like in at least three of the four games, he was overshadowed by somebody. Whether, know, whether that was, was Storm, one. Storm yeah. Murphy or Darius Maddox against Clemson, Darius Maddox against Carolina, Hunter Couture against Duke. Uh, but he averaged, I want to say, close to 20 points What, what, what was game. the stat, Will? He had between 18 and 20 points all four games. Really, <laughs> And he did not score in the first 16 minutes of the Duke game. And then yes. he scored like 11. Excuse me, first 14 minutes of the and Duke And then game. he scored something, what, like 9 11? 11, 11 points in the last six minutes yeah. of the first half yeah. against Duke. And he but was, we're not talking about Duke yet. Not yet. Uh, and <laughs> in that Carolina game especially, I just remember he had Baycott on him the whole game, and mm-hmm. that – that little spin hook shot was going down almost every single time. And he's getting fouled on a, uh, on a good amount of them, too. His repertoire of post moves is extremely impressive in an era where big men are so focused on shooting three-pointers that you don't see quite so many of, of those old 80s and 90s traditional post moves yep. anymore in, right. in basketball. Uh, but he's got them all. Uh, if he was a little bit more athletic, he'd be an NBA player. Um, just, if he was just a little bit more, I think he needs another year in college. Oh, really yeah, do. I think another year of development. <laughs> Justin yeah. Mutz too. He needs another yeah, year uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> for, for sure. Now, I remember at one point, uh, it might have been for a Q and A, or it might have been on this podcast. We got the question. Um, this was after last season. If you could pick one one big man for Virginia Tech, would it be uh, 
Kerry Blackshear or would it be Kevin Aluma? And at the time, I thought it was really, really close, but I, I went with Aluma because Blackshear got in foul trouble so often. And I thought that was the only discernible difference between both of those players. And after this year, obviously, I, I still go with Aluma, but I think Aluma's developed even more this year. And I thought Kerry Blackshear was a really, really good player, but I think Aluma's on, on a slightly slightly upper level. Yeah. And Aluma really helped lead the way in that Carolina win, got the Hokies to their first ever ACC championship game, had to face the top-seeded Duke Blue Devils. Let's talk about that one. We've kind of nibbled at this game a little bit with some of the stuff we've talked about, but really the story we haven't touched on is Hunter Couture. Uh, 31 points, a career high. He hit his first six three-pointers. I don't think they're when, – when, when every player in the country is as hot as they can possibly be, Hunter Couture may be the hottest shooter in the entire country. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, for a while there, I'm like, oh, man, his Florida State record is in, is in, <laughs> in jeopardy. jeopardy. He might break his own record <laughs> here. And maybe he could have if he'd kept shooting and been a little more undisciplined. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, what a performance. Now every – and that's a nationally televised game in the ACC finals that everybody's watching. And uh, there was like – no competition on television for that game as far as other conference tournaments, except for maybe like the Pac-12 Pac tournament, which not that many people on the East Coast are watching, yes, quite frankly. Right. So um, everybody who's a college fat basketball fan knows who Hunter Couture is now because he did that on pretty just about the highest <laughs> stage that, that, that you could do. So, so a couple things about that. Uh, Duke came out and, Man, they hit their shots. They they scored 15 points in the first uh, five and a half minutes. Both both teams were hitting their shots. I want to say it was. 14, I know both teams started five of six. I don't know what the overall. I want to say it might have been 14, 12 tech with at the first media time. You had the first media timeout and then, 15 and a half. And, half then, time. and then at the under 12 timeout, tech still had 14 points. <laughs> yeah. They yes. didn't score at all in yeah. the, in that section um, in that second phase. But so so Duke came out and and I did the math on it. They were scoring at a 109 point clip early on in about the first five and a half minutes. Yep. And and that's that's tremendously skilled elite players coming out and punching you in the face and hoping you'll fold. And um, so everybody talks about Hunter Couture making all those threes. That that early five to six minute stretch where Tech held their ground, I think Couture only made one three. I think you're Storm, right. I think Storm, Storm had two. five points. Right? Storm had the three in the corner, and he also had when he when he cut around and made the jumper from around the free throw yes. line. Yes, I think he had Tech's first five points, right? Um, no, Aline scored the first. Aline hit right. the first three. Yes. So so it was it was everybody by committee except Aluma and Mutz. They, right. They, right, as we talked yes. about earlier, uh, Aluma was a wall offensively, and then caught fire with about six minutes to go in the first. Now, half. Now, to be fair, I, I was looking at those guys' box scores during the game in the first half. Because they weren't scoring a lot, right? But at one point, I looked at them, and they both had four assists, even though they weren't scoring. Yeah, I'm not. I'm so, not indicating they weren't right, playing well, right. but you're but, right. But you know, they they the ball was going through them, and they were they were getting assists. So they each had four assists in the first half. At one point during the first wow. half, I looked at the box score, and they both had four That's assists. That's pretty remarkable. Okay. I don't remember how many points they had at the time or anything. Like Kevin Aluma finished with seven assists, right. and it was funny. I was standing in the back of the press conference post game, uh, and Mike Young goes. Kevin Aluma, he didn't have seven assists in his first two years in college. Uh, I watched that, uh, and uh, was I thought that was first. funny. He also didn't make any three-pointers in his first two years at Wofford. And this is my perfect example of why player development is is incredibly important. Like, Wofford was his only offer. Uh, Storm Murphy was a zero-star recruit who wasn't even listed, I believe, on the 247 database with a Wofford offer, yeah. even though he did sign with Wofford. And, like – 
Naheem Aline was like number 500 in the country, and he's like the most highly touted of, of these starters yeah. for Virginia Tech. And the most uh, notable assist is now up on the screen uh, if you want to get a <laughs> shot of that. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, we will talk about that in a second. But quickly, we mentioned the press conference. Uh, I thought it was really cool just looking up there. Three years ago, the four guys who were sitting at the press conference were all either at or committed to Wofford College. Uh, the four guys after the Hokies won the ACC championship, Mike Young, Storm Murphy, Keve Luma, and Hunter Couture up on the podium. Just shows you, again, yeah. player development is more important than... And scouting for your system. Yes. Scouting for your system is, is huge. And uh, no, don't get me Mike, Mike Young said, at, you know, at the beginning of his tenure that Hunter Couture could play for anybody in the country. And, you know, I actually... Uh, come on in, David. <laughs> Good morning. David um, David Cunningham, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, fashionably late. Um, but, you know, Mike Young is right about Hunter Couture. Like, his defense translates anywhere. His defense right. is really, really good, and his shooting translates anywhere. But, you know, not, not for whatever reason, not pe not many people thought that coming out of high school. Uh, he's got more confetti. I back. All right, come, oh, come throw, here. Throw it up here. Yeah, we we can always have table. more confetti. All right, so um, David, David's putting we've got, confetti oh, wow. on the table. There you go. <laughs> David got more confetti than I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so you're talking about Hunter Couture? Yeah, I'm talking about Hunter Couture and basically a whole team full of oh, mid-level to low-level recruits. That's how they were viewed coming out of high school. Yes. Um, and this is why I believe like that college basketball is a superior product to college football. College football is just all about being bigger, faster, and stronger and physical brutality. And at this point, because everybody knows who the top players are because, you know, we have the internet these days. They didn't have the internet back in the 90s. It was all go. You had to go out and see players with your own eyes and, and things like that. And it's not like that these days. Everybody knew, who knows who the best players are and they're all going to the same schools. So just because it's a physicality-based sport, those, if, if, if you're one of those four or five schools that can get those players, you're going to win the national. Yeah. It's going to be those same teams every year. And everybody else is going to be fighting for second-level status in college football. That's just the way it is because of how football is. Yeah. It's not the case in basketball. You know, you, you put a team full of experienced players in the right system together in basketball, and you can win a lot of games. So go and, and go, back, go back and watch those UNC games, the UNC and Duke games. And late in the UNC game, look at the look on Armando Baycott's face. Late in the Duke game, look at the look on Paolo Bancaro's face. Right. Alabama football players never wear that look in a game because no. they're physically dominating. They're just physically better than everybody. Yeah. But it, it was, it's just there were a number of times where Storm Murphy was being guarded by Mark Williams. Is that his first name? Mark Williams. Yeah. Yes. ACC Defensive Player of the Year. You know, Mark Williams. Uh, He's like seven feet tall. He's got a seven foot eight inch wingspan, and Storm Murphy's going up against him. Uh -huh. If you have a mismatch like that in football, you lose by six or seven touchdowns. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> just it's to, just to your yeah. point. Yeah, I know. And so, like, for me, football now these days is more about the experience, going tailgate and everything like that. Don't get me wrong; I think Tech can be better than they have been in football. Yeah. But like national championships are out out the door. You know that 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 dream ended. Uh, 
I, I think Virginia Tech can have a higher ceiling basketball program than football program just because of how the sport of basketball is compared to football. And you're right. You look at the front court for Duke. Uh, Mark Williams, seven foot one, two forty, if I'm remembering correctly. Paolo Bancaro, six foot ten, two fifty. Yep. Uh, now, he, now that block Williams had on on Keve was that's that's kind of front and center of why he was ACC defensive player. Yes, that was extremely. He impressive. almost just plucked the ball out of the air with his hand. It was insane. But got in foul trouble. He did. He got four fouls. Uh, Let's, let's talk about the moment. Uh, we've got it up on the screen now. Uh, the dunk. Justin Munts. It felt like, you know, in the stadium, it felt like Virginia Tech fans were cautiously optimistic. But the thought was, it's Duke. They're going to make a run. It felt like that moment was where Tech fans started to realize yeah, this tech, one's in tech the Tech had a 10-point lead. And uh, Keve, I believe, caught the ball in the block and, and was backing down the baseline. He cut underneath the bucket. And I think he was even being double teamed. It was a very impressive uh, cut to the basket by Mutz. Because most guys in that situation, they just watch Aluma try to go up. And, and that was the first thing out of Billis's mouth in what the middle cut. of the play was nice cut. Right. And so that dunk came with two and a half minutes left to go. It put Tech up by 12. And um, Chris, you were at Champs. I was oh. at a buddy's house. There were about eight of us. And we lost our minds right at yeah, that absolutely. moment. That's when you no, knew. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. That's uh, – that's about the time when everybody started getting their phones out because they were about to start filming the celebration. The <laughs> celebration. Yeah, yeah. So it was over right there, no question. Like, like Coach K called a timeout at that point, and everybody looks around at each other, and everybody's just come to the realization that we're going to win the ACC. Yeah, and uh, he posterized Ben Caro, and uh, yeah, we'll see about making that into a poster. It's 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 our photo. Liam Smith taken by Liam Smith. Yep. Um, Maybe we can get Musk to sign it. And we're super busy right now, but I really want to start doing the research on getting that thing printed up and sold. Yeah, because that, that's going to be an iconic photo in, in Virginia Tech basketball history. And there's another one I've, I've seen on social media. And I'm not sure who took it. I don't know if it's a Hokie sports photo or not. It's just it's Mutz with an ACC championship hat, and there's just a wall of orange and maroon confetti behind him. It yeah. almost looks like a waterfall yeah. behind him, and he's just there by himself, isolated in the shot. I wish we had that one too, but oh well. I wish we owned that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely going to be uh, a moment we remember for a while. And, and Will Stewart, I, if anybody was watching during the break and saw the sky cam up there, Will showed everybody his – that's his phone background now. Right. So here you go, Malcolm. Yeah, so I've got that as phone wallpaper. And I put that yeah. I put that on the TSL Twitter feed if you want to come. Yeah, so we've got two versions. We've got the uh, – the landscape, which I guess you saw up there, but we've also got the got the, the, the lock screen version, portrait yeah. mode. Uh, and David was there as well. David has finally arrived back uh, after uh, his his two day weekend turned into one day. Did not sleep overnight, so obviously understandable. Uh, a little tired this morning, but you could feel it after that dunk. Hokies fans got the let's go Hokies chance going. I believe Enter Sandman played shortly after there. It started to feel like Hokies were taking it home. First of all, I'm I have showered, I have slept. <laughs> I I did not Chris Hirons, who wrote some fantastic pieces for Tech Sideline, and Sam Owls who who was doing stuff for thirty three oh four. Um, we both rode together. We left. We dropped Liam Smith, our photographer, off at the airport at about six AM yesterday and then Sunday, yeah. I I picked him up and we left Brooklyn about seven, got back around three thirty ish. Um and then it was busy because the selection show for both the men and then the women yeah. 
and then I finally got a chance to sleep last night. So Will called me this morning and woke me up at ten at ten twenty eight. But I did get good. I get. I did get good sleep, and I didn't even realize there was a press conference with Mike Young this morning. Um, that I, Brian, I didn't know that was happening. Brian either. sent out a thing about it. Brian Cox sent out a thing about it last night. So I. But you were already asleep hopped, at that point. I hopped on there and uh, and got to talk to Mike. Yeah, nice. Um, so, uh, so no, what was it? Was 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 that about the uh, matchup with Texas? Just the, Texas, yeah, yeah, and also talking about the uh, the ACC championship game. I tweeted a couple notable things. Uh, let's see, Mike said uh, uh, it's very fitting for Storm Murphy to play in Wisconsin one final time, considering yes, that true. it was a leap of faith. He said it was a leap of faith for that kid to come to South Carolina for him to go to. That great tournament in Milwaukee in front of his family and friends is it'll be special for him. I think I read it's about two hours from where he grew up. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, Mike, it's pretty evident that if we hadn't beaten Duke, we wouldn't have gone in. I scratch my head, but we're in. And and I wrote that down. I wanted to talk about that actually. And let's yeah. let's jump into that. The bracket announced yesterday, six p.m. Uh, on CBS. Hokies come in as an 11 seed. They released the official seed list. The Hokies were 46 mm-hmm. even after beating Duke. It, it feels like if Tech had lost that game, they were not going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. And, and I think it's clear at this point to me that the main thing the selection committee values is quality wins. And uh, like even with Virginia Tech's run through the ACC tournament, you look at a team like Rutgers that played in the Big Ten where it seems like you play a quad one game every other game. Yeah. Rutgers had like twice as many quad one wins as Virginia Tech. And Notre Dame finished second in the ACC. They're in a play-in game. Right, imagine how you would feel if Virginia Tech finished second in the ACC and you were in a play Everybody would be like, oh, the NCAA, they're out to get Virginia Tech. They hate Virginia Tech, blah, blah, blah. No, no, they're not. Because, I, I can I mean, tell you're going to remember that particular nugget for a long time. Absolutely. And because Notre Dame is... I'm not going to say they're basketball royalty, but they're a big name. They have an excellent coach. And they finished second in the ACC, and they barely got into the NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah. Um, it's all about the number of quality wins you get. And, and you know, probably your strength of schedule to, to a certain extent as well. But the ACC lagged behind the other leagues in quality wins because the ACC wasn't a quality conference, at least in the terms of the metrics that, that, that are used. And – the big Big Ten teams, I bet there were teams in the bottom half of the Big Ten standings that had more quad one wins than Virginia Tech because you're playing a quad one team almost every night yeah. in that league. So yeah. that was the ACC's issue this year, and that's why Virginia Tech almost didn't make it in. Even if you look up and down, I was looking at the net rankings this morning, and they've got all the, the resumes to the teams out to the right. Virginia Tech's the highest-ranked Power 5 net team with, with, with fewer than four quad one wins. Wow. Highest ranked Power Five net team with fewer than four quad one wins. Right, right, right. Tech wound up eventually with three. Right, and uh, so that's I think that's a bigger factor than anything else in terms. You win a certain number of games. Generally, eighteen is the magic number if you have enough quadrant one quality wins. This year, Michigan got in at seventeen and fourteen for the for the first time since. 2006. 2006, a 17 win team has got in and is at large. And they had five or six quad one wins, and they had the number three strength of schedule in the country. Uh, and they weren't, they were not even in the last four. Or, the right. So, so that four. shows you how much the committee values quality wins and that, that, strength of schedule, that, which kind of go together. Right. And so they want to put 64, 68 teams, whatever, in, in the NCAA tournament. And they want those teams to show they could beat other quality teams. Because yep. to, to them, 
That's how you get the most high-quality games in the NCAA tournament, is by putting together a bunch of teams that have beaten each other all, all year long. And uh, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't. Um, I, 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 I think it would have been a shame if Virginia Tech hadn't made it. But, I mean, I've talked all year that I think the key was quality wins. And Virginia Tech didn't have them until the end. Now, the, over the last two weeks, we've seen them beat four straight NCAA tur- four NCAA tournament teams: Miami, Notre Dame, uh, North Duke Carolina, and, and Duke. Uh, I, you know, I I'm actually feel a little bit fortunate that Tech's an 11 seed because I thought going in they were going to be a 10, and I thought maybe if we're really unlucky, the stupid committee will put us as a nine seed. Yeah, and I, it depends on on your view of of what's better. Like if if your goal is to win one game. I guess theoretically speaking, the the eight nine game is the game to be in because that's an evenly matched game. But if your goal is to make a run, you don't want anywhere near that eight nine. Yeah, no. Game. Yeah, I mean, I think eleven is an ideal seed for Virginia Tech. Uh, they're going to play a Texas team that, if you know, if you should look at it statistically, it's very evenly matched. Virginia Tech has an odd resume in that one half of their resume suggests they are an 11 seed in terms of strength of schedule, in terms of quality win, things like that. Virginia Tech is as bubblicious as it gets <laughs> from those standpoints. But the actual efficiency ratings and the computer rankings suggest that Tech is about a number six seed themselves, which is why in a lot of ways you can look at this Virginia Tech-Texas matchup is, I think, one of the best games, one of the best matchups of the first round of the NCAA tournament. In terms of being a pure matchup. Yes, uh, just in terms of efficiency ratings and computer rankings – they look. It looks like a pickup. So there's, there's an outside chat. Tech could be favored in this game. Oh, I think they will. Uh, uh, Texas has a player that's like he's out for personal leave over the like last six or seven out games or something like that. Yeah. Right. And Texas has a lo- had a losing record in the Big Twelve. Tech lost three straight. Texas lost three straight games right. to end the season without four, him. Yeah, and, and, and four I, of the last five. They had they had a losing record without this guy, and then they had a winning record in the Big Twelve with him. So the, and they got a six seed. They got a six seed based on their overall resume throughout before, the entire season. Yeah. But now they don't have this guy. So and so he was then, a big part. So honestly, Texas without this guy is probably more like an eight or nine seed. And if you look at Virginia Tech from an efficiency rating standpoint and the fact that they're peaking right now, Tech is probably more like a five or a six seed. Yeah. So so, so let me jump in here and say the other thing, and, and this goes with what you were just saying about Texas, is that. Um, you know, one of the metrics in the old days used to be last 10. Yes. How'd you do in your last 10 games? They, they eventually changed that to last 12, by the way. Yeah, which as the schedules got bigger, that made sense. <gasps> so Virginia Tech, one of the hottest teams in the country. Texas A&M, before they lost the SEC championship, they were one of the hottest teams in the country. And they were like 68th on the committee's list. Mm-hmm. Texas is clearly not playing well lately. And none of that mattered. Right. Two, two of the hottest teams in the country, Virginia Tech and Texas A&M, were not going to make it in yeah. without winning their conference tournament. Yeah. And, and the, you know, because the, there used to be complaints that teams who maybe didn't have an overall resume, good resume, would get hot at the end of the year and the NCAA collection, selection committee would put them over, or into the tournament with a team who maybe had a better overall resume. And the argument there is, listen, what's the point of even playing – who cares how you do in December and November if you're not going to – if that doesn't gonna, matter in March, yeah. you know? So uh, so I think – again, I actually think it's fair. I, th- I think you have to look at the overall season. Yeah. 
And I, I want to look at that Texas matchup. Uh, looking at the video of Texas being selected yesterday, I thought that was one of the funniest things to come I thought, out of. I did not see that. I, I thought it? the picture of the Texas guy. Mm. There's a picture of somebody. Well, it, you said I, I, I tweeted it. Yeah, out. he's got picture, yeah. It's, it's got Virginia Tech and Texas on the on the screen, and there's this Texas player who's like. Just yeah. looking at the camera, he's got these big eyes and everything. Oh, well, yeah, just watching his face, it's like you see Texas pop up as a six seed, and he's cheering <laughs> and celebrating, and then Virginia Tech pops up on the screen. It's, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I put that on the uh, Tech Sideline Twitter feed and said, caption the pick. So like, it was oh, already getting funny. Like Virginia, I'd have to do the research on this, and I'm not going to do it, but Virginia Tech might be like the best 11 seed ever. They won the ACC tournament championship, which yes, it's a down year in the ACC. But they've won thirteen of their last fifteen yeah. games, and it's not like it's not like they back their way into tournament champions. I mean, they smoked Duke, and they smoked UNC. Yeah, you know, and they controlled the game against Notre Dame, and that's three NCAA tournament teams. So I can't imagine any other eleven seed has ever come in in the NCAA tournament like bombing teams like North Carolina and Duke in back-to-back games and and being top 25 in some of the efficiency ratings. I mean, Tech, I believe, is now in the top 20 of the BPI. I want to mm-hmm. say they're tw- up to 23rd in Ken Palm. T- 20, bo- 21 in Ken 21 Palm. 21 in Ken Palm. 20 in the BPI. Okay. And I think they're around 28 in the net. 27th in the net. Yeah. Uh, probably. So, so you're talking about a borderline top 25 team here. In Virginia Tech, in terms of quality, that's an eleven seat. That's an eleven seat because they started their season off right, so right. Because poorly. they started off their season. I think it's, I think it's great because Tech is more like a six seed, and without that key player, Texas is more like an eleven seed to me. And you get through this first game, you might as well be a six seed at that point. You're playing sure. the same schedule the rest the, of the exa- way. Exactly. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch uh, this week, especially uh, what that line does when it comes out, whether Tech is favored. It was funny, again, in that same video, one of the Texas, other Texas players, you can hear him go, it's a good matchup. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's right. Um, I, I, well, Texas is really good defensively, by the way. Texas is a top 20 <laughs> so if you're watching on YouTube, we now have the picture of the uh, of the Texas yeah. player who doesn't look thrilled to be playing Virginia Tech. I know it's just a moment in time, yeah. you know, but it's but still it's, funny it's, to look it's at. It's still funny because you you see your name as a, as a six seed if you're Texas, and you're like, oh sweet, we could get to play an eleven seed, and then the eleven seeds the freaking ACC, ACC champion <laughs> that did just beat Duke and North Carolina. And North Carolina, yeah. yeah. Well, Andy Bitter tweeted yesterday the the line opened last night at about Texas one and a half. Really, okay. I so think that's going to change. That might quickly. get that down to a pick. I, 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 yeah, I, uh, I think well, it Tech was favored would. over Notre Dame. Notre Dame was a number two seed, and Tech was favored. And Tech was the seven seed, yeah. and Tech was favored in that game. And if you just look at if you look at the numbers, Texas is right around where Texas is a little bit higher than, than Tech and, and Ken Palm, but so much of that ranking was built in to when they had their key player. They're an elite defensive team. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, this is going to be a great basketball match. I agree. Like, it's going to be one of the best offenses in the country versus one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah, and it's it's I, it's definitely one of the most intriguing matchups of, of the first round, I think. So, apparently, so let's let's dig into Texas a little bit. I'm guessing that's your next question. I think David's yes. done some research. Have, uh, yeah, David. They, they, is, they turn other teams over a lot, right, David? Yeah, yeah so Texas is... So, so to get Virginia Tech's metrics out there, just adjusted efficiency, offensive and defensive. Tech ranks 18th offensively and 55th defensively. And as Chris has talked about many times, that defensive rating has jumped up so many it's times. Better than the 55. It looks like because yeah. I mean, it was just a few weeks. A few weeks ago, Tech was 110th. Texas yes. is 
32nd offensively and 13th defensively. Right. So kind of like the Virginia Tech, but, but flipped mm-hmm. offensive and defensive. Texas really turns people over 14th in the country in, in terms of turning Enforcing people over. Enforcing turnovers. And in non-steal turnovers, that's 18th in the country. Right. But offensively, they're not a fantastic offensive shooting team. They don't shoot the three ball well. They shoot at 32%. So... It's not like it's kind of like they you hush David Cunningham. <laughs> it's not like they they're going to just jinx. They're going to shoot twelve of fifteen now. Well, it's it's like they not that they struggle to score, but it's not like they don't. They also don't have like a go to score that drops fifteen points. They've yes. they've got a couple guys. They got three guys that score in double figures. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a well balanced team, I would say. Right. Where they're not going to, you know, it's not like they're going to shoot a hundred three pointers. You know, they're going to kind of balance it a little bit outside game, a little bit inside game. And I think the way Virginia Tech's defense has played, I mean, I think that was a point that was kind of just overlooked, like, just down the stretch. I mean, Tech won, what, 13 of 15 to end the, the regular season? It was because they and, and it was because defense. of the defense. There were games at Georgia Tech, at Miami, where the offense was not good. Mm-hmm. Tech couldn't hit three-pointers. And the defense was still as good as it had been earlier and later. And right. and then on Saturday night, when Tech's defense is good and then the offense decides to pick up the slack, that's what you get. Against UNC and Duke, you've got a feel of how good this team can be when the offense and defense are yeah. both clicking. And the thing is, Tech only played good defense for one half against Duke, I would say. Mike Young told him at halftime, look, we're not playing good enough defense. Y'all aren't going to be able to outscore this team. We got to play better defense in the second half, and they did. Well, now he might have been wrong because they still might have been able to outscore Duke. I yeah, mean, Tech was yeah. just on that night. <clears throat> so Duke had what thirty nine points 39 in the first half. half time. I remember, yes. yeah. and they finished 39. with finished with uh, sixty seven. Right, and that was and a that one of those was a meaningless three yeah. at the end. Yes, yeah, from Coach Duke, K's grandson. I, I believe yeah. Duke. Is that who that was? Yes, yeah. I tweeted this uh, after the game. Duke was in their in Duke's last. I think it was from the twelve minute mark on. Duke missed. Uh, Duke was four of fifteen, mm-hmm. and and one of those was Michael was Savarino's three at the buzzer. Correct. So Duke was essentially three of fourteen in the last twelve minutes of the basketball game. Wow! And they looked really shell shocked. And that wasn't right. just Duke like chucking up bad shots. That was right. Virginia Tech playing good defense. Right. And this feels like Virginia Tech's going to be that popular team to make a little bit of a run in these brackets. I'm going to be interested to see when that when more brackets are made and those uh, percentages are available. Uh, yeah. I want to see what that line does. It wouldn't shock me if it went down to like a pick em or something because I, 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 I'm going to pick Virginia Tech to win the game. And, and it's, I don't know if it's because I'm biased or not, <laughs> but I, I just think if I was looking at it, if it was some other random team, Playing Texas, and I and I researched it, and I said, "Oh, thirteen out of fifteen, they just crushed Duke and Carolina, and one of Texas's key guys is out indefinitely, and he's one of the reasons they were six seed. If they hadn't had him all season, they're not a six seed. So, it just it just yeah, seems to point yeah. towards Virginia Tech winning winning the basketball game. And if they're able to win that one." Almost certainly they would get Purdue in the round of 32. And this Purdue team at one point was the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah. Uh, they've got Jaden Ivey, who is probably going to be a top five pick in this upcoming NBA draft. And I want to say Zach Eady in the paint is seven foot three, correct? Uh, uh, he's he, he's a big guy. Yeah. He is a big seven footer. Uh, 
if the Hokies are going to make a run, it seems like they're going to have to go through one of the better teams in the entire yeah. season. Yeah, sorry, he's 7'4". Seven 7'4". Four. Seven four. Oh, you even better. Shortchanged him. 7'4", yeah. 295. Yeah, but how long are his arms? <laughs> uh, probably, I'm sure he's got really short arms. Probably right? longer than, than many. And this is a team, a Purdue team, or real quick, that um, – was really good all season. Kind of had a loss, kind of sprinkled in every like six games. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a stretch of where they won six games and then lost to Michigan. You know, and then it was one of Michigan's quality wins. That's right. why Michigan got in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They lost to Iowa um, on Sunday in the in the Big Ten championship game. So you know, this is a a team that's really good. They are number three in adjusted offensive efficiency. Wow. They are a very good offensive team. Defensively, they're a hundred. Yeah. Hmm. So, okay. <laughs> so not where Texas and Virginia Tech are more balanced one way or the other. This is a much better offensive team than defensive. I remember when Tech played them in uh, buzzes last year, twenty nineteen, yeah, in, in, and, Char- uh, in Charleston. Yeah, and Tech beat them like eighty seven to eighty two, and they had Carson Edwards. That was a great uh, game. Was, uh, that was a great game. Uh, so, uh, so let me jump in and say you're talking Purdue and Virginia Tech in 2018. 2018 19. It was yes. 2018 19. Look up the highlights on YouTube. I think Tech had like three guys with 20 plus points that night. Yeah, and Edwards went off. It was a that was a fun yeah. game. Yeah, that was kind of the game where you felt like that team and, was legit. But they were an elite eight team that year. Yes, yeah. remember like the, the, their game with with UVA and in, in the NCAA tournament was a Pro- classic. They probably should. It was won that. 80, probably should have won. It was 89 83. Mm-hmm. Nikhil Alexander Walker had 25, and Justin Robinson and Ahmed Hill each had 20. Each had 20. And Kerry Blackshear had 13. Right. And Tech right. played. Tech was 10 of 24 from behind the arc. And the one moment that always sticks in my head is Tech gets a steal, Justin Robinson throws off the backboard to Ahmed yes. Hill. Yeah, I mean, it was it was such a high level basketball game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had Carson Edwards on one side, and you had two future NBA players. and and Justin Robinson and Nikhil Alexander-Walker on, on the other side. Uh, really entertaining game to watch. And that was Virginia Tech, a Sweet 16 team, beating Purdue, who was an Elite 8 team. Yeah. I mean, it was a great basketball game. Uh, I think Purdue is, is one of those teams that, you know, if they get hot, they've played such a good schedule all year in the Big Ten. They're used to facing quality competition. You know, I don't know what the later stages of the bracket looks like, but, you know, if they get by their second-round opponent, either – Texas or Virginia Tech, then you have to talk about them as a potential national yes. champion. Um, all that said, go Yale. Go <laughs> Yale. <laughs> yes, go Bulldogs. So, again, those would be the two games that would happen this weekend uh, on Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. 4.30 p.m. East. Yes, 40, we got people all over the country. 4.30 Eastern, Virginia Tech will and face Texas. the game Texas. itself, I think, is in the central time. Yeah, so. it is. Yes. So it'll be 3.30 central. And, and I don't know if you guys saw, but the women, they're – the women play Florida Gulf Coast. It'll be two thirty Eastern. Yes. So it'll so it'll be the men the women's game two thirty Eastern on ESPN back, and then the men's game right after four thirty on TBS. And poor Jake Lyman has been drafted to call the Virginia Tech baseball game yes. on the radio on Friday, At which happens PM. to be during the oh. middle of the Virginia Tech men's basketball. Let's say so. I will I will miss the second half of the women's game most likely, and the entirety of the men's game. So maybe but, is, is, but is if those is what's the forecast? Maybe it'll rain on Friday <laughs> if. Virginia Virginia Tech wins that game. I feel like I'm obligated to not watch the next one too. Uh, right? no, you can't. Thirty, Jake, you got it. Jake, <laughs> no. Jake, you got some rain. Seventy percent chance Wednesday, fifty on Thursday, and thirty uh, on Friday. Thirty-two percent uh, chance on Friday. So, probably I, well, not. if it if it rains, maybe it, maybe well, I'll get well, to watch thing, it. The thing is, you can't even manufacture a rain out for Virginia Tech. It's not. It's it can't tur- be like it's turf. It's turf. It's so turf. you can't pull out a Bull it, Durham moment where Crash Davis goes out there and says, "I can get us a rain out," <laughs> and he just sets the sprinklers off all night. 
You can't do that. It, it would have to be actively raining pretty hard <laughs> for that game to get canceled. So yeah, I assume it, I won't be able to watch it. Mostly cloudy with some showers in the afternoon. So at least the rain's predicted for the afternoon. Well, So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Maybe I'll get to watch it. Maybe not. But Hokies in Texas again, 4.30 Eastern in Milwaukee in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then Purdue or Yale, that game would be on Sunday if the Hokies were to advance that game to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah, that, that I was going to say that Purdue-Yale game, uh, that is at uh, 2 p.m. on TBS. So right before, right the, before, Ho- this, right yeah. before yeah. the Hokies. So, so right flip back the, and forth between the women's of, game. And so I, I know where I'm spending my afternoon. I'm yeah, definitely going to be a me. champs <laughs> telling them what TVs. What, what, yeah. what TVs. We need one on Purdue-Yale, one on the women's game, yeah, and, and one then get, get ready, ready for the, for the tech men's game. game. Yeah, and uh, just a quick thing on this Yale team. Nothing is Nothing crazy impressive. Except tempo-wise, Yale is, in terms of tempo, uh, average possession length defensively, which is really interesting to think about. They're ranked ninth in the country. Wow, so they really make opposing teams work to get good shots. The only the next team in the NCAA tournament that is up there in average possession length defensively is Auburn. Mm-hmm. And Auburn is nine spots lower. So this Yale team really kind of makes teams press offensively, which is just something to think about. Yale's defensive numbers are good offensively, not not so much. And they play at a – they're 86 in tempo. So, you know, Maybe their, their, matchup, their, their matchup against Purdue is – I'm really intrigued to see because Purdue, like we said, is such a good – basketball team really intrigued to see the way Purdue approaches that game and Yale just squeaked by the top seed in the Ivy League Princeton Princeton. yesterday to to take that one home we talked a lot about the men let's talk a little bit about the women's team five seed uh, in the Spokane region of the bracket they will get Florida Gulf Coast in College Park Maryland on Friday again 2 30 p.m. tip for that one and then they will face most likely Maryland, the four seed, who's hosting uh, on Sunday. Yeah, they host Delaware. Delaware, yes. So uh, a lot of local teams uh, in College Park could see some decent crowds there with Maryland obviously hosting it. Hokies only five hours away in mm-hmm. Blacksburg. And, and obviously and a uh, lot of fans A lot of fans in Northern Virginia and, and D.C. And then Delaware just, uh, just uh, across the Chesapeake Bay from there. So those should be fun. Uh, women's team trying to reach the Sweet 16. That's been their goal all year. I feel good about them going to the Sweet 16 because I think, again, I think they're a better team than their five seed indicates. And I'm not saying their resume suggests they should be higher than a five. I'm not saying that, but I do think they're actually their quality is actually a little bit better than a five. I think that's a pretty even matchup. Wish it wasn't on the road, but, yes. but at the same time, uh, I, I think they've got a good chance to get through. And injuries, I think, has to be – probably top of mind for that team. Elizabeth Kitley looks like she's going to be okay. Yeah, she's going I, to play. I talked to both I we talked we got a chance to Chris Hirons and I were both there and we got a chance to talk to uh four different players. Kayla King and Elizabeth Kitley were two of them and Kenny Brooks last night. Um you know, Kayla King's still in a walking boot, but but as far as I'm aware, talking with Kenny and, and the players you know they're they're fine. They'll be ready to go. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's just precautionary. I mean, it's it's so good that there's an extra week. Yeah, that, that's between, what Kayla two said. Weeks between. That it was it was nice at the ACC tournament so a week earlier because if the ACC tournament was his past week, they would have a lot less time to to rehab. Right. 
Well, again, Friday and Sunday, uh, those are the two games for both teams if they're able to advance past the first game. Uh, and make sure to tune in tonight at Tech Talk Live finale tonight. Evan Hughes is going to host it uh, along with Mike Burnup. You know, Evan Hughes finally watched the movie Major League. I know. <laughs> and, and since uh, he finally watched the movie, so many good things have been happening to Virginia Tech sports. He kept texting me every time Tech would win this week. He'd be like, ever since... Ever I watched watch Major, Major League, League. Tech has made the ACC tournament finals. And then the next day, ever since I watched Major League, Virginia Tech has won the ACC. <laughs> and we were just talking about before we went on uh, with me on the baseball broadcast on, on Friday afternoon. No one's going to be listening with uh, with the women's game and the men's game going on. You can break I'm going gonna, gonna to have to toe the line there. So you You're going to break out your Bob Euchre line. <laughs> Dude, you should do it, man. So, like, if there's a routine. I don't th- no, I don't think you should do no, that No, I'm kidding. No, yes. I would, I, yes. you got to make sure you have that stream up. Like next to you. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll be on my laptop. Where I'll have the live stats half the screen and probably have March Madness live up on the other side. So, is, so are you doing the streaming broadcast or are you doing uh, just radio? Just radio. So oh, you can like if there's a routine fly ball to right, you should just say who's Tex right fielder. Uh, right fielder is Nick Bittison. The Nick Bittison scales the wall. He's standing on top of the wall. He catches the <laughs> ball. He does a backflip into the bullpen. <laughs> you know, it's oh, I don't even. I sure you know. But Tech went, what, 14 or 15 innings last night? Which uh, 14. 14 innings, tech lost five in hours and 15 minutes. Inning. Wow. In the second game of a doubleheader. In the second game of a doubleheader, yeah. Virginia Tech does not have the pitching depth, in my opinion, to play a doubleheader, much less go to extra innings. <laughs> With Georgia Tech. Right. Yes, Evan called me last night uh, after about nine hours on the broadcast, and I could oh tell he God. was exhausted. Dude, I'm telling you, this is a young – the stuff you guys do, it's a young man's game. <laughs> I just – Long you know. week up in Brooklyn, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again, I will have to find a way to watch that. Uh, but it's going to be a big Friday, though, with those back-to-back games. Uh, should be a, a fun weekend. Um, again, Evan Hughes will host Tech Talk Live tonight with Mike Burnup, uh, and it'll be first half Kenny Brooks, second half will be Mike Young. Uh, okay. So Jack Brizendine <laughs> will finally have his last uh, Tech Talk Live uh, transcription tonight. <laughs> and it'll be, it'll be a lot more entertaining one. Yeah, yes. and he's gonna, looking forward to Getting a break from that for a yeah. while, I'm sure. Uh, so, uh, NCAA wrestling championships come up this yes. weekend, right? Yes. It, so. It's a, it's a, it's funny. There's not much overlap between wrestling and basketball fan bases because, you know, March Madness takes time, take it takes place on the same weekend that the NCAA tournament starts. Yes. Yeah. You know, and uh, and wrestling fans are usually just it's like. Wrestling fans are hardcore about yes. wrestling. Yes, they may not yeah. be a big group, but all of them are hardcore. They're going to follow it hard. So uh, definitely something to look forward to there. Hokies, want to say five, six uh, qualifiers for the NCAA? Uh, I think it's seven think or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah, okay. Oh, yes, yes. I remember seeing it was eight. Yeah, Jack. I think Jack said it was it was eight. And a lot of them are high seeds. Like, there are yes. a lot of guys that are high yeah, seeds. Yeah, Corbin Myers, Makai Lewis. Um, Nathan Traxler. Traxler, should, yeah. Uh, Hunter Bolin, he lost in the Sam Latona, Bryce Andonian. Yes. There are a lot of guys. So a big weekend ahead. Softball also in town this weekend. They've got North Carolina. They just swept Syracuse. And and Lutlart. So let's let's go over what's going to happen this weekend. All right, so Virginia Tech is going to play in in two NCAA tournament games on Friday. Right. Baseball's Baseball's ACC home opener against Pitt this weekend. Syracuse is in town this weekend. There's an open spring football practice, I believe, at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Or, oh, or, it's, no, it's, it's noon. noon. It's noon. Because I was so afraid that Virginia Tech was going to end up playing an NCAA tournament game at noon. Yes. Oh, like last Saturday. year. 
Right, right. Um, uh, so and like, so we, oh yeah, we got to open football practice, but it's during the middle of the NSA basketball game. You would have hoped they would have moved it at that. You point. would have hoped, but but at any rate, uh, so you can be in town. Gosh, I'd say come into town on Friday, watch the Tech NCAA tournament game at a bar. You'll have a great time in Blacksburg. Both watch, watch both, both and Tech right, NCAA right, exactly. Tournament. Yeah. And you can then, go to softball, and, baseball and, over right, the weekend. Right. And then Saturday you can you can watch the open football practice at noon and then go to softball and baseball right after that if you want to. Lacrosse also plays the uh, And watch weekend. wrestlings. Right. Wrestling. So so you can uh you can have a complete Virginia Tech sports weekend this weekend. You don't have to wait for the spring game. Yes, no shortage of Virginia Tech athletics this weekend. Uh, before we check on the YouTube chat, I want to uh, quickly bring up, I mentioned Mike Burnup. Did you guys listen to the radio call of the Darius Maddox buzzer beater? Oh, my God. No, on, I'm not. On, no, dude, on, we were, so this is, something, this is something us, the, the 10, 12 VTSMA kids that, that were up all week, we were joking about it all week it because was, it was it was funny but it was also classic mike Burner. it was oh. one of our favorite moments oh we'll have to look out for it see maddox is in the sma program yes yeah, he right? is okay so y'all should give him a project he should do play-by-play -play of his own three-pointer that would yes. be awesome you gotta do tell I, bill uh, you know it's interesting you. i don't think they ever ran it but uh but jake and i and all the other guys that were up there because there were um, I believe ten or nine current VTSMA students, and then Two Liam alums. Liam Smet and I, um, and of course there were a couple other CT people that are there that aren't VTSMA. Um, but ESPN, after I guess it was for the it Notre was Dame Maddox game. Hit the after Maddox beat. hit the buzzer, ESPN and Andrea Carter was doing the sideline, and she talked with Brian Cox, and they were going to do a feature on darius but also lead into the vtsma program and we had taken a picture for espn and then because the notre tech you know tech was playing so well in the notre dame game they never used it mm -hmm. so but it was it was just being there I, I think jake you were in that picture with sean and, and darius yes. that was you know sean padula's sma kid too yes right so, so I, I saw that picture that yeah. bill i think bill roth yeah bill tweeted bill tweeted it just yeah. uh that, hey, so, that, so that was so really cool a, a little nugget uh giovanni heater who's a freshman in the sma program um, you know, Gio has done some work for us. He's going to do more as time passes. Yep. He's, uh, I'm not going to say he's buddies with Sean Padula, but they know each other by name. So I'm just, I'm just laying that down there. That's, that's going to be there <laughs> the next few years. That'll be, that'll be fun to watch. Maybe, maybe we can get Sean Padula to be a color guy or something for Gio at some point uh, down the road. Uh, but I do want to mention my, Mike Burnup. Uh, his call was right after Tim Bickford, who's filling in as the play-by-play -play broadcaster for Tech. He finished his call, Hokies win. Uh, you just hear Mike Burnup, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> uh, it, it is uh, awesome, and I I think Mike needs to make shirts of some sort for yeah. it. Where uh, can I hear this? You can hear it. It's on Learfield Audio on Twitter. You can scroll down. It's probably the 10th tweet on there. Just you can hear the entire. It, thing. it was a great call. Great call. It is awesome. I need Mike needs to make sure it's. I'm going to tell him tonight at Tech Talk Live. Uh, he needs to make it happen. And you know, you know, it was awesome. I think my favorite moment was getting to go down on the court. You know, getting. I was obviously courtside. You were right, but but Maddox's shot was right in front of you. You yeah, had a great Maddox is yeah. yeah, which seems crazy because I thought that was going to be like the moment of Tech's tournament, right? And then that was moment one of Tech's <laughs> many. <laughs> many moments in the tournament. That was like right in front of me. I just happened to be recording. Getting to to walk out on the court and and take video and pictures and just 
walk, not even necessarily take video and pictures, but walk in between and just see the interactions of the Virginia Tech team and mm-hmm. coaches and players and staff. You know, Mike Young yelling from halfway across the arena, yo, where's Mike Burnup? You know, when they're yeah. when they're cutting down the nets to make sure Mike Mike, Mike Burnup got a piece, got of, a piece of it. Right. You know, Bruce Garns running around with the net draped around his, his head. And he was passing out the hats to everybody. Oh, yeah. Kevin Kevin Giltner coaching Storm Murphy through cutting down a piece of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Justin Mutz and Hunter Couture. Hunter Couture and Storm Murphy, you know, dancing in the middle of the arena. Justin Mutz. Just sitting there, going, walking over and embracing the fans. Liam Smith got a fantastic photo of Hunter Couture hugging his mom. Yeah, yep. Yep. I mean, there were just so many pure moments, and I think that I will always remember just being on the court and getting to to experience everything. My favorite video is the one I took uh, when Tech was playing VPI Victory March, and uh, and I pan around, and Mike Young's there, and Mike Young walked over to the band director. And asked for an encore, and mm-hmm. MVs gave him an encore, mm-hmm. and then Mike Young just fist pumping the entire time. What stood out to me is uh, what something Luke Hancock said. Uh, he said, you know, he obviously was around the Tech team for for four days, and he said culturally Virginia Tech is one of the strongest teams he's ever seen. And uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I I, th- I think that's extremely important. Uh, you don't you don't respond from ten and ten with an ACC title unless you have a strong culture and you have positive personalities. I think positive personality, the power of positive thought in situations like that was very important. I think this team has good chemistry together. It's all, they're all likable personalities. Uh, every member of the team has a 3.0 or better. Um, there's just a lot with this, a lot about this team to like besides the fact that they won the ACC. <laughs> uh, that, um, so I just think this is a, a group of players that the fan base should be able to really relate to. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, you, you go back and watch some of the post-game interviews uh, on the Hokie Sports video page, and like you'll see that 10-minute interview with Storm Murphy. And I think they had one of those with Murphy after the UNC game, too. So right. you heard a lot from Storm Murphy this weekend. Yeah. And, and you, 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 you think future coach when, when, you, when you hear him talk um, in a setting like that. Because <clears throat> most interviews last like two minutes, and his last like ten yeah, he he was very He's good and, and very so perceptive. So the uh, the post game, the post championship show on the ACC network, uh, they they had Mike Young up there and uh, who, who's the guy who was sitting down to the right? Um, Offer. Uh, oh, yeah, Carlos Boozer was on. Oh, it's a Barry. While. Oh, it's Joel Barry. Joel, Joel Barry. Barry. Yes, he asked uh, he asked Storm, I think, about the locker room at the point that Tech or just everything that was being said at the time that Tech was two and seven in the yeah. conference. And Mike Mike Young stepped in and said, he said, you know, words to the effect of, this isn't a direct quote, words to the effect of, you know, when you're in that situation and people are doing a lot of talking, but what you really want to pay attention to is the locker room, what's being said in the locker room. And then he mimicked a player talking to another player and saying, oh, man, you should be playing more. That that guy's an idiot talking about the coach. And he said, you know, that kind of stuff did not happen. Our team – and he said, we continued to practice well. And, the, of course, my quote about all of that is that, and I put this in my article today, people ask me, you know, when they were 10 and 10 and 2 and 7, people were like, what's wrong with them? And all I could answer was, I'm not really sure. I just know they're not this bad. Mm-hmm. This team is not this bad. I know your, your record, you are what your record says you are, but I just remember thinking, they're just not this bad. You know, and uh, while – 
a good chunk of the fan base was busy for most of the season nitpicking every little bit of Storm Murphy's game. Yeah. They missed the fact that he's the most charismatic player that I've ever seen in the history of Virginia Tech basketball. Even over Jamon Gordon? Oh, uh, yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> Even over Justin, Justin Robinson? Yeah, it's, it's, which is tough because I love yeah. those guys. But yeah. I'm talking from a pure charisma We're talking tiny standpoint. degrees of separation. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, from the dancing to the play on the court to his interviews, uh, from his locker room presence, uh, probably the most charismatic player that I know of that, that, that Tech has had. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think people appreciated that until this past weekend. And, and, maybe, and, maybe, and, maybe I didn't appreciate it until this past and, weekend. And you've got to appreciate the value of that. Uh, here's another thing I've said before. Once, once Deron Washington left town, that group of players that, that Seth had, had at that point in time, mm-hmm. really good players, but that, they just were not likable the, as a the, team. They were right? a little, they were, that was more, it was more of a toxic environment. Yeah. And, and what, what I always heard at the time is, is, you know, fast, like a couple of the key players came in and they were like best friends, but by the end of their career, they didn't like each other, but they were still living with each other. And they were and, starters. And that, and, that, and, that, and that created toxic vibes. And, Obviously, Seth Greenberg is one of those guys that I like Seth a lot, but it's just his personality type that you get to the end of the season and you need to win a key game. The pressure builds, and he tightens up. Mike Young gets loose. He's looser, and and as a result, I think his teams play looser. Um, So I just think there was – like I said, the the difference between this team and those teams is, is more positive attitudes. In and let's not th- let this but, little nugget get away. Mike Young is six and zero in conference championship games. Yes. Yeah. If, if you watch that series about the ACC tournament, a number of coaches had to go to it one or two or more times before they finally won it. Mike Young got it first so time. Six and zero in championship games. So yeah. if we make the national title game, we're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> and I think people sometimes can forget that that game that sent Tech to two and seven was the Charlie Moore buzzer beater from half court. Yeah. And I remember saying after that game, I said, that's the one that breaks you. Uh, and it right. actually was the one that brought them closer uh, together uh, and, and sent them on this You've got to think they're a mental, more mentally tough team now than they would have been had they not gone through all that. And we'll say, you know, we talked earlier in the season about Tech being one of the unluckiest teams in the country because there actually is a metric for that. Right. Right. And Tech lost games. They lost to Xavier on a last-second shot. They lost to Miami on a last-second shot. They missed a last-second shot against UVA. So they were 0-3 in games that came down to the final possession, and that's that's kind of a bad luck stat. But then over the last two weeks, guess what? They're 2-0 and in games that came down to the final possession. So yeah. generally basketball seasons come full circle. Uh, and it's all about the timing extent. of what It's all about do. the timing of yeah. uh, exactly. An unbelievable week for the men's basketball team again. They will face Texas in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Women's team has Florida Gulf Coast. Just scrolled through the YouTube chat. We got to pretty much everything, uh, I think, except we have to bring up maybe lost in the shuffle of everything that went on with the men's basketball team. Two national champions uh, in track and field this weekend. Lindsay Two, Butler. I knew about one. Yes, yeah, Lindsay. Pole and 800 meters. 800 meters. Both of them, of course, came in the first half of both the Virginia Tech games. So it got lost <laughs> of course, in the shuffle. got totally so, lost. So it, it's very right to talk about it right yes, here. Yes, Lindsay Butler, 800-meter final. Two minutes, one second, uh, which – that's unbelievable. 800 meters is half a mile. I, I, yeah, it is. I ran the 800 meter in, in high school, and I don't remember what I run. It was not close to 201. I can tell you that. <laughs> and then Rachel Baxter, who I want to say broke a, the ACC record 
in the ACC's. She won the national championship in pole vault. Pole vault. Yeah. Uh, so those are your two national champions, and then fourteen All Americans, I believe, is the number for so. the track and field Man. team. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, I was I was talking with uh, um, somebody in, in Hokie Sports yesterday. Just unfortunate that both of the national champions were announced in like the first ten minutes of the the Notre Dame and Clemson or Notre Dame and North Carolina games because <laughs> nobody was really paying attention. Like <laughs> yeah. that's just what happens, but. But I know, you know, they're gonna. Hokie Sports is obviously gonna honor them the right way, and I mean, track and field had an amazing, amazing year. And and, and they're not done because their outdoor season is just starting now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, great weekend this weekend for Virginia Tech. Obviously, two national champions, first ever men's basketball ACC championship. One more from the YouTube. I've chat. got the YouTube chat. Yeah, and and I think this brings up a point, kind of what Chris wrote about yesterday. Uh, Eddie Bose asks. How much of the recent success in all of the sports at Virginia Tech can be attributed to the success of the Drive for 25 and Jacob Yates to go off of that? He said, same question, but with Babcock. Yeah, okay. Uh, great question. And I do want to address this, and I wrote this in my article yesterday. For as much criticism as Witt takes for maybe his stewardship of the football program, some of which I think has been fair, some of it maybe not so fair, he deserves ultimate credit for Virginia Tech's basketball program. Um, and the success in all sports. But I really want to talk about basketball since that's the, su the subject of the day. You know, ever since Witt got to Virginia Tech, our basketball program has done a complete 180. We, we never knew how good we could be in basketball because we'd never tried to be good. Like Seth Greenberg ended up being a good coach on the whole for Virginia Tech, but it's like he was the fallback guy. He was a guy we hired from South Florida who a lot of people thought, if he had stayed at South Florida for another year, he was going to get fired. The posse he, was closing he, in he at was, South Florida. He was the, the cheaper option for all the the guys that Virginia Tech was going after. And, and quite frankly, we got lucky with how good he turned out to be, considering what his career record was up to that point. It was just the right fit for him, I think, in terms of what we needed at the time. Then he probably stayed a little too long. But we had never gone for it in basketball before. We didn't know how good we could be. I always thought we could be better than, than we were if we dedicated the right resources to it. And by God, Witt got here and went out to hire Buzz Williams. We got him away from a basketball program like Marquette, and we paid him way more than Virginia Tech basketball coaches had ever been paid. We gave him a massive staff. If you go back and look at those team pitchers, we had twice as many staff members on those teams as we did players. That, that's when they invested in chairs for everybody for, sitting yeah, on the bench. Yeah, and uh, so – that, you know, they, they, they put a little bit more money into the uh, Han Hurst facility in terms of, of the presentation on the inside. And they just threw resources at the basketball program. I think we all needed to know how good Virginia Tech could be in basketball because I didn't know. Now I know. And it's three NCAA tournaments in a row, which Tech had never made at the time, and a Sweet 16, which Tech had never done. And then Buzz left, and that's okay because he fulfilled his mission. He told us exactly how good we can be in basketball, and now we know. And then Witt replaced him with Mike Young, which in hindsight was an outstanding hire, and now we have an ACC tournament championship. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, Witt Babcock is like, he's like the father of the basketball program now <laughs> to a certain extent. I mean, he's created it. It's been a complete 180 ever since he took over. And uh, so it was, it was some, he takes heat for football sometimes. It's only fair to give him complete credit for what for what's happened to Virginia Tech's basketball program. And I think you touched on it in your story you wrote yesterday, seeing the the picture Brett, his son, posted. Yep. And I was it was cool. I was talking with Brett um a little bit before the game and we were both he he was like, How do you feel? And I was like, I think tech can tech can do it. And I know Brett was really excited to be there and I know Witt was too. 
I was right. I was standing right there when Brett took that photo. I watched Wit climb up and climb back down the ladder, and he was emotional, oh, and yeah. as he should be. But he came down and he just looked at me and he gave me a big fist bump. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I know how 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 stressful it it can an athletic director can be at times. But it when you know, I know football for him in the last couple months has been very stressful. I mean, he hired a new football coach in December, uh-huh. but the rewards that come with winning an ACC championship for an athletic director. I'm sure it's just pure relief and elation. He Witt hates losing. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've, I've heard he is, after some football games, he's pretty much unapproachable. And I mean that as a compliment. He hates losing that, that much. So uh, I know the first half of this, or the first two-thirds of this basketball season were pr- very frustrating for him. I'm sure, especially coming off the football season. Because people were questioning the hire. People were questioning the hire. Well, guess what? They're not questioning it now. So yeah. I'm ha- happy for him because it validates all the decisions he's made yeah. in the program. And, you know, I, I said earlier, I think our, our basketball program has a high ceiling. Like, if you want to – not saying they're going to win a national championship, but the flagship program in this university is football, yet football does not have a chance to win a national championship. And, and But basketball <clears throat> does. And I think – Whatever, within reason, if, if we think we need something, whether it's renovation of castle or, or whether it's an extra staff member or, or whether it's more money to, to, if we need to hire a new assistant, more money for that, I think whatever Mike Young needs or asks for, we, we, need to, we need to realistically, within reason, give it to him. Because even if it comes to the expense of football, in my opinion, because we have a higher ceiling in, in basketball, we have a better chance to win a national championship in men's basketball. And Mike Young is 57 years old, which is still plenty, plenty yeah. time, plenty enough time to win a lot of basketball games at Virginia Tech. But at the same time, like it's not like he's a 40 year old coach and you've got, oh, we got 30 years of Mike Young. This is going to be great in the grand scheme of things. It's a relatively short window. Yeah. Go for it. Take take advantage of it while you have the opportunity, and get and go all in on it. I mean, that's that's what I think I would try to do. Hokies finally got their first ACC championship. Obviously, you're going to win an NCAA championship. Probably have to start this year season a little bit stronger to get one of those top seeds. But they're going to try and make a run this year again. Texas 4:30 p.m. starts their tournament run. We're almost at two hours here on episode 229 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Close to a record, probably. A lot it? to talk about, obviously. Oh, Jeff Holland holds the record. <laughs> oh, does he? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long he and I were on that podcast. It may have been two and a half hours. <laughs> but it included bathroom breaks because we were also drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about how much is coming up this weekend uh, for Tech, uh, for Virginia Tech Sports. What's coming up for Tech Sideline, guys? I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. I think uh, I think we're going to have like a kind of like a quick staff meeting after this to figure out our travel plans uh, and yeah, what's going on. Right. Like, yeah, uh, I guess so. Um, I think I'm going to write something up about how I feel about playing Texas and the seating and how I feel like Tech has a good chance and and everybody felt like Tech got screwed with an 11 seed. I think it's great that they nah, got an 11 seed. It's much but, much better. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, to me, it's like. If you're not going to be like one of the top five seeds, either be a six or an eleven. Don't be an eight nine, or, yes. or even a seven ten. Seven ten, because you got to play uh, two seed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I really like where Tech landed. So either it's going to be Texas, and then either Purdue or Yale this weekend for Tech to try and advance to a Sweet Sixteen again, fifth straight NCAA tournament appearance for the Hokies. Yeah, um, they they weren't going to make it the year that COVID canceled it, <laughs> but you know. Um, 
do not minimize that. Chris was just talking about the success of the basketball program. Do not minimize for Virginia Tech historically to go to five straight NCAA tournaments. Never been done. Oh, I'm telling they, you, man. They had never made three in a, in a row before. before and now, Boston, and now it's now five. And frankly, frankly they had barely made five in the entire history of their program. Exactly. I think they less. made like seven or eight before. Yeah. Well, and let's not also forget, last year was the first time that the men's and women's team both made it in the same year. Two now years, they've done it two years But before Whit Babcock got here, we were making the tournament about once a decade. Yeah. We, we, we made it, I guess, when you were probably a junior or senior in college, 86, 87. A couple of times, like actually, when I was in school. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. But that last year, and then we basically had to wait almost 10 years to make another one in 95, 96. And then we had to wait 11 years. To, to make another one in 2007, 2008. And then we had to wait another decade until Buzz here, got here until we made another one. So it was basically like once every 10 years, Tech made the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And now we've made it, whether you want to call it five out of five or five out of six, five whatever, tournaments it doesn't matter. In a row. It's a lot. Five brackets straight it's a lot. Tech's name. So, so like don't, don't overlook the fact that, that we are in, right now, the golden age of Virginia Tech basketball. And I know a lot of people that grew up in the 80s would disagree with that. But in terms mm-hmm. of NCAA tournament appearances, in terms of NCAA tournament appearances, which is the most important thing, in my opinion, we are in the golden age of Virginia Tech basketball. And that's because of Whit Babcock, in my opinion. Hokie's going to try and avoid going one and done in the tournament for the second straight year loss to Florida last year. Again, Texas on Friday. Anything else, guys, before we wrap up here on episode 229? I don't think so. I think that'll do it. I think we covered almost everything. <laughs> you go two hours, you're probably going to. Softball swept Syracuse. Softball swept Syracuse. And again, as, their, as expected. their home opener in the ACC is this weekend against, against North, North Carolina. Carolina. And North Carolina is a fair to Midland softball yes. program. Yes. So should be another good one again. They, they've been great this year. Yeah, they're 6-0 of- in the ACC right now. and. I don't know if the new rankings are out, but they were six in the country uh, last week. Yep. Been uh, top 10 all year long. Yeah. So that'll wrap things up here on episode 229 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Looking back at Virginia Tech's magical run to their first ever ACC tournament championship in men's basketball. I want to thank everybody for listening and everybody on set. Will Stewart across the way. Find him on Twitter at WillStewartTSL. Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline at ChrisColemanTSL on Twitter. At the real D. Cunna over there, he came in. Long weekend for David. I'm sure another long one awaiting Stellar you. Stellar job. Uh, he's done a great job. Covered the women's tournament, the men's tournament, and now uh, heading to go cover uh, the NCAA <laughs> tournament as well. Uh, if you want a good recap of everything that happened in Brooklyn, just scroll through his Twitter feed uh, <laughs> at the real D. Cunna. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes always does a great job as our producer. And I'm your host, Jake Lyman, signing off. You're on episode 229 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll see you next time, Hokies fans.